0: Okay, well, enough of our intro music, and I am waiting for my co-host, who is here and in position, and T-Bug, and tell me again, uh, I, I don't think I pronounced that right, but correct me, um, and, and let me know, but I am so glad that you're here. Um, I know a lot of people have started their summer vacations, um, and I've had a lot of DMs of people with work commitments and various different things who have told me that they're not going to be able to make it. Maybe they'll listen in, but um, we're going to do what we always do on Monday, and that's gather and talk and chat about the news, making good trouble, making some noise um, about issues that are important to us, things that we need to be aware of. And of course, you know, I am like a dog with a bone with this dark money thing. So, um, and, and part of the reason that I'm doing it is, is I think it's important that um, we understand um, how it is affecting our lives, our culture, and our very democracy. And I think awareness is the beginning of change and and certainly being able to fight back against something you have to know uh, who and what you're fighting back against. So that is why I keep harping on it. And um, almost every kind of story that we see in the news that is Uh, involves um, extremist views and behavior can be directly uh, traced back to some of this dark money and the organizations that have formed from it. So without further ado, I am going to allow my co-host to say good morning. And I see um, Joseph is in here and I know that he is in traveling mode. So safe travels to you, Joseph. And, um, If you um, are able and want to chime in, you know you're welcome, but I'm so glad that you joined us and if you are only able to listen, uh, we appreciate that too. Anyone else who is um, in the gallery at this point, uh, if you would like to come up and chat. And hey, look here, one of my favorite folks have come up. I know she joins us all the time but she doesn't always speak. So after my co-host, I'm going to go with T-Bug and then um, my friend 2K. So welcome, you guys. And we're going to get our conversation started this Monday. And I hope you're all having a great day and um, a fabulous week ahead. So good afternoon, my dear. How are you so, sister? <laughs> good afternoon. And
1: uh, I'm doing well. Um, you guys are going to have to bear with me today. Um It's nice out, and the dogs are going to be a
0: little rowdier today. I just who can blame them? We have a heat wave going on here, so I want to just growl and bark and roll around in the grass (laughs) and the water, right? To be the to to
1: have the life of a dog, man. We wouldn't have to worry about um, the issues that we're facing today. But um, thank God that there are people in this space and others that do care about our democracy and um are on the front lines fighting it and finding disinformation every single day i appreciate uh the work that you do miss d uh keeping us abreast of all the intricacies and you know fitting the pieces together and connecting the dots pulling the strings all of that um because uh the better Informed you are, the better warrior you become in this battle. Um, so, um, Monday is a highlight for me, and um, I'm so sorry that I missed your space on Friday.
0: That's okay. I know that we all have lives, and we need to live them. And um, you know, when you have to uh, bow out, um, then you know, you know, don't worry about. Being uh, able to to do that and know that, you know, we know that you're with us in spirit, whether you're present in the space or not. And that's what we need. We need the spirit of democracy warriors and we need to be as fierce about protecting our democracy as they are about destroying it. So without further ado, um, we have some great speakers up here today. I'm so excited, looking forward to hearing from all of them. And first up is uh, T-Bug, and then K, and then Danny. I am looking so forward to hearing from you guys. I know Mark is here, and if he is able, I know he'll come up and join us and share with us and give us some legal update, and um, I am calling this, um, you know, Indictment Watch. Week Because uh, it's imminent. I mean, it's like every day something else is coming up. Like I was floored when I found out that they had tapes, recordings of his own attorney and that, you know, just the irony of those tapes possibly being the thing to convict him. uh, Just the thought of that (laughs) gives me pleasure. So anyway, let's get started.
2: T-Buck, you're up. Oh, yeah. I just requested to speak just so I could say good morning because there weren't very many people on.
0: (laughs) Oh, that is so sweet of you. And you know what? I really appreciate that because sometimes it takes uh, the room a while to populate. And I had I always try to prepare Soul Sister Mm -hmm. and tell her, you know, you and I might have to carry this conversation for a while. So, you know, uh, what are we going to talk about? And. So I appreciate that you as a listener and, and constant supporter, you know, see recognizes that and was coming up to help us get the conversation started. Because sometimes, you know, we start rolling a little slow, but it always picks up and it's always good. So kudos to you. And thank you so very much for that. Yeah,
2: I just, um, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Um, for me, I've been watching and excited about a lot of different developments, but um, the account that I manage, rural organizers, I've just been pushing back and trying to support other groups that are trying to get the GOP walkout in Oregon to end because they've been on walkout since May 3rd, trying to obstruct a bill that um, reinforces gender affirming care and abortion rights in our Constitution. So I've just been pushing back and trolling the trolls. <laughs> we don't have enough <laughs> people on our side doing that.
0: Exactly. And that is why. And we have to know and understand who we're fighting. And I'm glad that you mentioned like the, you know, um, their walkout and th- that push against the LT, um, the um, LTGB. Q community is definitely being funded by dark money. Mm-hmm. And I posted a new video. I'm going to put it up in the Jumbotron. But I'm telling you guys, keep your eye on Turning Point USA. They're uh, proliferating and they're dangerous. I mean, they have actually now, you know, they've been around for 10 years. And this organization, keep in mind, was started by an 18-year-old who got a bunch of money from a 72-year-old and, and, and one other guy uh, to start something which now, in 10 years, um, has morphed into this. Now, um, actual high-profile members of the Republican Party are saying that they are more powerful than the RNC, Okay. marinate on that and the fact that um, you know Trump's um, COO for both of his presidential campaigns is the one who said this and um, where they're getting their money from and the uh, initiatives that they're involved in uh, they are absolutely behind a lot of these attacks on target And they have now partnered with an extreme kind of MAGA church guy. They have formed a, a school in Arizona. They have two campuses so far and plans for online courses and a lot of other things. So there's grifting and profiteering in here. There's white supremacy. There's extremism. I mean, there's something for everybody. And most of what they're Somethingness is not good, and it is certainly not good for our democracy. So again, um, I'm going to pick up with the speakers, and we'll keep talking about this. So I'll put the video up there, and um, let's get the conversation started. So uh, to K and then Danny.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm so grateful to be here and to have a chance to speak. Hi, Soul Sister. Hi, Dee. I see a lot of... Um, Paves. Oh, Renee. Danny. I'm sorry. I won't call out names. That'll take all the time. I'm not going to take long right now. Maybe I'll pop in and out. I, I love you all. I'm so glad that we're together on this cause. And if you know me at all, you know that, well, first of all, I have an odd sense of humor, but second what's not odd. Um, I love your sense of humor. You and
0: Renee, I mean, I am such a kind of intense, I have such a kind of a serious, uh, intense personality. I do have a sense of humor, but I love people. I I I love people who... I love people who have it because it it brings out minds and it's just good to laugh. So I really do love um, the humorous spin and the wit uh, that you and Renee have and that you put into your tweets and your interactions. So I am grateful to you guys. (laughs) Well,
3: I will say this to start things off on a light note. I'm sure y'all have seen it. Some of y'all have seen it. Lord, I don't know if I can get this out without laughing. You've seen Cordell West has thrown his musty hat, that's right, I said musty, into the ring. That he's, he's running for president. My first reaction was, aware of what? In any case, I'm just going to leave it there. I'd like to pop back in may- later maybe with some more serious content, but I wanted to lift that up for all of you to think about there's equal opportunity foolishness roaming around this this election space. And I'll pass with that. Thank
0: you so much. I love you, Jaquane. And if I can, if we can get a bookend. Uh, With some Renee with today, I will be truly blessed (laughs) and my week will be off to a grand start. So thank you so much for that. And um, up next, we've got Danny and then we have our legal mind, uh, Mark, who has come up and looking forward to hearing from him. So thank you guys for being here. And uh, I asked Danny to come and talk to us because... Got some good, exciting news. At least it's the potential to be good. Um, we shall see. But um, big change in uh, Meet the Press. So, Danny, you have the floor. What do you think?
4: <laughs> uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for this space, Ms. D and Soul Sister. Um, it's been a minute since I spoke, but um... I know I miss your voice. <laughs> Yes. So we finally got him out, you guys. I'm not saying that it was us, but I do feel like with all of the uh, criticism that Chuck Todd got, um, since he's really taken over Meet the Press, um, the powers that be finally, I guess, took mercy on all of us, put us all of us out of our misery, got rid of him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you to the heavens and whoever God we need to praise.
0: All the four uh, the state deities.
4: <laughs> you know, um, I know online, I think amongst like the K-Hive community or, you know, uh, other Democrats, you know, we used to call him struggle bangs. Um, <laughs> listen, um, growing up, I used to always watch 60 Minutes um, Sunday night. And then um, but Sunday mornings was Meet the Press with Tim Russert. And then, you know, he died. And then for a minute, his son took over, Luke Russert. And then they gave the baton to, I think, um, Tom Brokaw for a little bit, which is obviously a giant a, a journalist. and um, And then they gave it to David Gregory. And I actually liked David Gregory. And he was good. And unfortunately, for one reason or another, they pushed him out
0: and replaced him with Chuck Todd. So we. I think that was some politics involved I remember that I I feel the same way you did
4: (laughs) and I mean it's great journalist after great journalist after great journalist and then we get
0: to Chuck
4: Todd and this is how you also get a lot of both sides Um, you get a lot of you know maybe Hillary Clinton in some occasions sometimes is over prepared Um, you get a lot of not really holding anyone accountable because you want to seem as if you are um, trying to hold both sides accountable, but we know that one side is not even playing by the same set of rules. And that is my biggest critique of Chuck Todd. And he's been allowed to get away with it for a really long time. We know that Republicans um, normally do not go on MSNBC. And sometimes Maybe just recently they started going on CNN. But you can always guarantee that they were going to be on the Sunday shows and especially on Meet the Press. And at least with Tim Russert, we had an example with Luke Russert, with Tom Brokaw, with David Gregory. You had a history, you had an outline, you had a playbook that they were going to call you out if you were trying to lie to them directly to their face. And Chuck Todd did not do that. He wanted to be friends. He wanted to play nice, I guess, to get them to come back. And you lose something in the integrity of what you're reporting on and what you want the public to know. And so I'm glad to see him gone. Listen, he's a white man in America. I have no hard feelings. He is going to land on his feet somewhere. Okay, I would not be surprised if Fox News calls him or if CNN calls him. Or he, you know, does an online thing, an online uh, publication. He'll be just fine. Um, Now let's also focus on Kristen Welker. She is a biracial woman. Um, I know most of us just identify her as Black, but her father is, I believe, white, and her mom is Black. And I just read that she will be the first um, Black moderator for Meet the Press, and I believe going back long before I was born in the 1950s, I think Roundtree or something like that, that was the first woman to ever host or be a moderator on Meet the Press. So she is really stepping into her own. Um, You know, she comes from MSNBC. She's also a White House correspondence um, reporter. Um, We all probably also remember her. She was the last moderator for the Trump and Biden debate in 2020. Um, It wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as Susan Page with um, uh, VP Harris and Mike Pence or Chris Wallace um, during that first debate with Trump and Biden, where he just kind of gave a lot into um, Donald Trump and tried to appease him a little bit more um but i am happy to see her have it number 1 we know that she's a she's she really is a good journalist i really do like her um i'm excited for her i would love to see how she's going to um take this next step on her journey as being the host um i'm sure you know there's going to be some critiques of course but like with all journalists i look for balance and truth and fairness As long as you give me that, I know I can trust your reporting. The minute you give me opinions, you automatically tune me out. I can form my own opinions, but just at least give me the facts and at least give me the truth. Um, So I expect that from her. And I'm hoping everybody else also expect that from her. Um, Finally. (laughs) And, you know, for a minute, you know, when Chuck Todd wasn't there, we got Katie Turr. So I'm hoping that they change her out too because she doesn't need to be there either. Um, you know, give me Sherilyn Eiffel. I know she probably doesn't want to do it, but, you know, that's my...
5: But ult- she needs
0: a gig right now. She is out there. Uh, and <laughs>
4: <laughs> She really does. And I hope they give it to her. Or, you know, and there's some others that they could give it to. Even Tiffany Cross as a guest sometimes. I wouldn't even mind that. Um, because, you know, how that all ended, or Zerlina Maxwell, I mean there are journalists out there who do try to get it right more times they get it wrong and I would love them to have an opportunity as much as Chuck Todd and all the others get an opportunity Um, so kudos to Kristen Welker Um, just like with 2K, yes um, thanks to LMZ I did see that Cornell West is putting his I really want us to do better. (laughs) I really want us to do better because now he's announced third party, whatever. I didn't even look all, look at it, um, all the way. I really don't care. I hope people see it for what it is. It's a drift. It's a grift. Leave him alone. Leave him with Tavis Smiley, the Bernie bros, um, Uh, uh, what's that lady's name um, with the Russia uh, Jill Stein leave all Uh, that mm -hmm. in 2016 I mean he helped get us in this position and so you do not hand him over the country when his hands are just as dirty as Bernie Sanders in some cases Um, he's an intellectual yes we know that he's smart he's brilliant but he's also full of shit and I think that we are smart enough and we are politically astute where we can, you know, recognize it for what it is. I hope too many people aren't taken in. Um, I think it's just going to be an extension of a Bernie Sanders campaign about free college and yada, yada, yada. I'm sure he's going to play into the fact that, you know, he is a professor at the college level and. Um, I, I just see it being a waste of people's time and right now I cannot stand anybody who's trying to waste my time I'm not the, giving you oxygen I'm boom you oxygen.
0: there it is
4: <laughs> I mean just let it go leave it alone our democracy is just barely hanging on we are just holding on we are just holding the line we don't need to hand it back over the presidency no no let's stop playing The stakes are too high. And there's a lot that Joe Biden and VP Harris need to be proud of. So let's focus on their wins. There's much work to do, but I trust them to get the rest of the work done before I hand it over to anybody else on the left and on the right. You cannot tell me that we're going to be off in a better position with Dr. Cornel West at the helm. No, we're not. No, we are not. And I hope that other people would treat him the way he treated Obama. Be, you know, go through his record, his, you know, his background with a fine tooth comb. That's when he
0: lost me right there. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And it was all because you get invited somewhere or, you know, they, him and Tavis and Tavis, you know, it was this- about access. They they felt they didn't exactly.
0: have the access that they thought that they deserved. So exactly. they were willing to, you know, start, you know, uh, tearing the holes in democracy <laughs> for it.
4: And it was ridiculous and it was unnecessary. And we did not need that, that visual of two smart men going after the first black president. I'm sorry. No, it, it just wasn't good optics. And you knew exactly what you were doing when you were doing it in real time. So I'm sorry. And they never apologized for it either.
0: And and where is Tavis now? I, I mean, where is he?
4: And if you are going to hold Barack Obama accountable for what he didn't do, then you should also be holding Bernie Sanders accountable for what he hasn't done in the Senate as well. And how he is also hurt. We're probably... I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but I do think that there is a faction of the last two generations that are lost because they believe in the Bernie Sanders free college, free health care. Um, Make believe
0: reality that he wants us to live in there. No, are you're th- absolutely right. Dani, and-, mm-hmm. and they're working to. To continue that, because if you can um, basically brainwash a generation of children with, um, you know, ideology that um, is incorrect and unhelpful, you know, this is what you end up with. I think Renee told us in in the Friday space, like that Madison Cawthorn, who was not long in the Senate, but he is a result of um, homeschooling. Um, funded by, you know, extremist, fundamentalist, um, and they are funded by dark money. And the beginning of their push toward this homeschooling thing, let's think about it. It all went back and started with Brown uh, versus Board, okay? They did not want their white children in school with black kids. So then that's when they started, that's when the um, homeschooling movement uh, started. And they've had other, you know, issues that have caused them to dig their heels in more about it. But now they have seen it to be a very good vehicle to push their their religious ideology and their political ideology. In fact, now they have. And it's about profits. And Exa- it's about profits. All of that. Well. All the best things for them, for the libertarian. Yeah. Libertarians. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and, you know, what I think is most discouraging about having a cornell west is that i find it disrespectful to um the the average voter who may not be as tuned in as most people in this room or all the people in this room or people in this room who are desiring to be as dialed in as um as you know as as they could be and and that's an issue so you're preying upon people who don't have the have the time really to educate themselves and that's really i think what comes down to it. or are discouraged by just life that is happening around them and to them um, and near them and so you've basically just added more fuel to the fire of having them sit out and that is a problem and so i just i, I it's the disrespect it is disgusting to me
4: yeah and it's also um to go back with the homeschooling it's also an effective way to also remove funding for public education because if you get more kids that's not going to be in public education well then you can just start pulling a lot of the resources okay well they're not going to need this they're not going to need that you know let's push school choice all charter schools private schools They want to privatize public education. This is just one of the most effective ways that they've been able to do it. So I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I do think that, I think he's going to get dragged. And I think if we need, if K-Hive, K-Hive adjacent, everybody else, (laughs) if we need to properly drag him the way we've done others, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, uh, Marianne, Nikki Haley, she's crazy with her CNN town hall whatever she had special drag them all because i'm sorry y'all are y'all really think this democracy is a game and for a lot of us especially us in red states it cannot be a game for us because we are the ones that are affected first that doesn't mean that we're going to be the ones affected last it's affecting our lives our livelihoods (laughs) exactly and so That is my cue. They're going to open up the gate. I got to go pick up my son, but thank you for allowing me to speak. If I get a chance, I'll come back up.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And you have gotten us off to a fabulous start. I always love to have your voice and contributions in here. So I hope that you're able to join us later. And if not, have a great day. And thanks again for coming in and, and sharing with us. And up next, we have Mark and then Susan. Looking forward to hearing from both.
6: Hey
7: D, happy Monday and good morning. Well, good afternoon here in lovely New Orleans, where it's ninety degree, uh, eighty three degrees already. So it's going to be a ninety plus day. Um, We're now far also, from you. <laughs> and 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 happy indictment watch, soul sister. Uh, happy indictment watch, soul sister. In all of Ad- advocacy arena, we are literally on indictment watch. So um, there's a lot of activity that's that's going on. Uh, I am absolutely glad you did the Friday night space, and I was able to share the um, the model uh, prosecution memo that uh, some of the, the most esteemed uh, former federal prosecutors and even judges uh, contributed to. And we talked about it. It's a primer for what's happening now. So if you missed Friday, go listen to it uh, again because we talked. I posted about,
1: the link in the
7: nest. By the way, uh, thank you so much because we talked about everything that's happening today. Is what we talked about on Friday. You heard it at an Advocacy Arena first, D Spot. <laughs> so uh, I was glad I was able to get into that, but let's catch up uh, because a lot has happened this morning. And thanks to Renee, I got an even more update on uh, what was going on. She also told me to get my ass to D Space, so I was already here before she was in here, though. So I just want I want to let her know that when she comes back up. But I was already in. here- Thanks, him, so Renee. <laughs> when she told me to get my ass in here, because um, we were we were DMing so. I remember an exchange we had, D, where you were very uncomfortable with the idea that there could be a plea agreement um, that could occur. And that is something that was attempted this morning. Uh, Donald Trump's attorneys were at the Department of Justice. Uh, His attorneys uh, represented by um, Jim Trustee, uh, Jim Rowley. And I have no idea why she tagged along. Uh, The hapless uh, Lindsay Halligan, who has no federal criminal experience whatsoever. Um, other than Trump, maybe and like, you know, law in motion, but never been to a jury trial. Uh, that wasn't in, that involved federal crimes. Um, so I, I don't even know why she was there. But the fact that she was there means it was a joke meeting. And um, your your uh, honorable attorney general, Mary Garland was not present at this meeting, which means it, it wasn't a serious meeting. They were there for two hours. Um, there's on there's on some posts. Um, And what this means is that there was no decision maker there. They were just there to listen. But what it also means, it's like what it it didn't say. This, uh, you know, zany team with Lindsey Hannigan, uh, adding Lindsey Hannigan to the team was there to take notes and troll, basically. We called it trolling before it was like uh, before Twitter, where you send, you know, you go in uh, to try to attempt to under the guise of attempting to try to work out some deal. But you really want to know what the what the prosecution has, what they're what kind of hand they have, what what are they thinking about doing? Um, Which is pretty obvious to me because they're making moves for, um, they're making money moves like Cardi B uh, was talking about in Bodak Yellow. So they're making money moves. Um, And, you know, to send this uh, amateur team in and um, try to uh, guess what they're doing, uh, they know what they're doing. So it really wasn't a serious meeting. um, But that's the best opportunity they have to – Ward off a, a full on uh, criminal prosecution through uh, the grand jury that which is looking to which we think is going to be getting indictments, um, giving in indi- uh, coming with true bills this week. They're or maybe, they're meeting this week. <laughs> so you know what what could be possibly meeting now. I'm not I'm not hearing and maybe, maybe if anybody's hearing, please come up. If you're hearing that there's any more presentation of evidence, which I'm not hearing, um, what it means is and what the wrap up phase of a grand jury. Um, what it uh, anticipates is you start to summarize the evidence almost like a closing argument and a, re, uh, a re-reading a of the applicable law, uh, the closing argument as to each element of the law and what evidence goes to each element. So you're basically making a three to four day, well, in this case, it'll be a three to five day closing argument to the grand jury because you, they, they want the, it to be a thorough, um, true bill, uh, unanimous and thorough Uh, indictment um the reason why i say true bill is because that's what indictments are called when they come out they're not called indictments it's called a true bill um and so what uh jack smith's team is possibly doing this week is making a closing argument meaning they've laid they're they're uh, updating and laying out what the applicable law is for what they will be asking for at the end they're and it's that if you can visualize this what they're doing is they're saying hey these are these are like um these different drinks I'm trying to make. So that I, we went over six charges in two categories on Friday. So there's six possible charges. I'm basing this on the model memo, right? You, if if you like different six different kinds of cocktails, you'll get this really good. Um, so there's six different kinds of cocktails. And uh, each of those cocktails has ingredients that are specific to that cocktail. Some of them share the same ingredient, by the way, but an ingredient has to align with this specific drink. So and count one, or in the first crime, they'll have a a specific cocktail, they'll have a a Mai Tai. And they have to so you have to split that cocktail into all the ingredients, meaning all the cups that include one ingredient that make the Mai Tai for criminal. And all those cups have to be filled with that ingredient so you can make the drink, the Mai Tai. That's how evidence is presented to a grand jury. They lay out what what the crime is, and they lay out all these elements that need to be addressed before t- to be considered for an indictment. And then they fill those fill those elements, fill those cups with evidence that goes to proving um, that the person committed the crime or more likely than not committed, uh, or there's probable cause to believe that the person committed the crime. Probable cause is still the standard at, at grand jury. So um, that's what they're doing with this grand jury. And at the end of it, the last thing they do is they say, um, we want you to deliberate. And we, you know, we're asking for you to, uh, to give us a true bill on all six counts. That's what they're doing this week. So that's why the uh, Trump's uh, defense attorneys were in, um, in the Department of Justice trying to do a last-ditch effort to try to thwart off um, this possible indictment. After this, after charges are filed, Um, The federal sentencing guidelines and and all the rules of uh, federal criminal law take place, meaning um, when it comes to federal sentencing guidelines, there is a formula at each stage of the proceedings that, you know, dictate what can be done at that stage. There's early disposition credit where that's the best possible deal you can make. So if if Trump, which he's not going to do, once he's charged, if he says, hey, I want to cooperate and, you know, I'll admit to this, this is what I'll plead guilty to. He will get X amount of jail time or or X amount of punishment, and there's a there's a specific area that he can work within within federal sentence guidelines that give him that early disposition credit. After that, as we go forward in trial, they they uh, defendants lose that early disposition uh, protocol, and then they go into more serious. If there's ever a plea bargain or if there's a conviction, it follows a more serious uh, formula than federal sentencing. The charge, because we're in the Espionage Act, the charges that we are looking at have uh, are more than 10 years, mandatory. So in order for Trump, which is something that, you know, in ordinary cases, this is the last, what I said earlier applies. This is the last time that defense attorneys can get the best deal they can. They can still get a deal though. At some point, here's what I told Renee, at some point, A serious criminal defense attorney representing Trump is going to have a very serious conversation with him about what he's facing and what can be done at that point. At that point, you will see Merrick Garland at the table listening to a possible plea disposition on what could be done. Now, both sides have to come to uh, to accord and with the judge's approval, and it may involve amending the complaint or amending the charging document, depending on what stage there are. Um, to something outside of Espionage Act, so there's not any mandatory imposition of sentence that has to take place, and they can achieve whatever the desired disposition by stipulation they can. So we're still in that area, and we will be in that area until Trump is actually convicted by a, a jury. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, and, and, Jack, and it depends on, you know, the, obviously the strength of the, of the case. That has to do with, you know, the highly li- the likelihood of conviction but the strength of the case also have, has something to do with the likelihood of plea disposition. So um, we're not outside of the realm that this case could be dis, um, be adjudicated by a plea bargain. Um, and that may or may not include um, Trump not ever running for federal office or any kind of public office again, which I'm pretty sure is, in, is the minimum that uh, the DOJ would would even um Exactly, even we consider. got to get at least that. <laughs> For anything, if not if not jail time, depending on how serious the document is. The other challenging issue, and these are these are good problems. We talk about good trouble in advocacy arena, but there's such a thing as good problems when prosecuting criminals. Um, in this case, in the Espionage Act, there are some challenges that the Department of Justice has to overcome with regard to the evidence that's being presented at trial, um, because of the sensitivity of the documents and the degree of sensitivity. Some evidence ideally, cannot be presented at trial. So the challenge is, how are they able to get evidence in of a document that's so sensitive it cannot be published to anyone in the courtroom? Um, will, they, will there be a uh, evidentiary stipulation that describes the document, its status as top secret, secret, or confidential, um, or as a government document, and generally described, this is a war document that contains uh, some type of war planning or response or something like. I mean, they probably wouldn't even be able to get that specific. But would, would they be? Would there be a stipulation just to admit the evidence at trial, or does the Department of Justice, which they actually do, I think, I think they've shown they have they have enough non-top secret documents in order to get, get the indictment. But to prove beyond a reasonable doubt is something different. They have to present the document uh, in in a public arena. Now they're going to have to shut the court. I mean, obviously. The court is not going to be a public space with regard to the, this kind of trial. Um, just anybody's not going to be able to go. Um, it's going highly qualified jurors are going to be listening to this case, which means that's a good thing because a jury profile is going to be uh, more educated than not. Probably they'll have to clear some clearances, um, some, some basic clearances, which is actually a good thing for the prosecution and a bad thing for trial. They're going to be somewhat educated and they're going to have to pass some clearances I mean, there'll be background checks and stuff like that. People not in trouble, not January 6th participants in any way, shape or form and that kind of thing. So this is happening in D.C. You're probably going to see some black jurors on on this jury. Probably like I'd say like either up to a third or maybe in, maybe even man half. Um, that's that's interesting because in my experience, black people convict. Um, so that it, it's a it's a good thing uh, for the prosecution. So. That's where we are right now, uh, with regard to uh, Trump and Jack Smith. And remember, um, we'll see. We're within. We're within five. I don't think it's five. One of the attorneys today on Twitter said we're within. Depending how serious uh, Garland is considering uh, this attempt to uh, settle this this case, um, which he's not even there, so he's not. It, it, there, I don't think that this is going to factor in whatsoever as far as the timeline and consideration. I think they already considered it, and like once they saw Lindsey. Halligan, they were like, "Oh hell no, um, it ain't no fun." Um, so what's going to happen now is that um, I think we're I think we're getting an indictment this week or maybe early next week. I think we'll hear about it. Now, what could happen is there'll be an indictment; it'll be sealed, and there will there will be preparations for a, a national press conference, uh, which will be put. I mean, we're all going to hear about that. Um, he's going to have to do a press conference. It's the first time. Uh, any former president has ever been prosecuted by the United States government. Um, and he's gonna have to lay it out, lay, lay out why exactly this prosecution is taking place. Um, and I, I think we'll hear from Jack Smith uh, and Merrick Garland, but I think obviously we're gonna hear from Jack Smith first, which I like because I think Jack Smith has to do, start his closing argument in the press conference that announces the indictment. I think that's where the, that's where the closing argument starts. Uh, and the trial starts. Everything that is said, everything that is shown has been a trial strategy. We just like D, you just said you just heard about the voice things Evan Corcoran, when he was trying to protect himself on a drive somewhere on the East Coast he made these he made these recordings to like so he can like remember stuff or just memorialize them and that's part of the evidence. Now they can't introduce those recordings unless he um, impe- unless he's being impeached. He can he can talk about what he said. They can't just introduce the recordings. So uh, the grand jury is not like they, they may hear the recordings in the grand jury, but at trial, then, you know, the recordings are not going to just be played unless he says something different or if he refuses to uh, testify or some some kind of hearsay exception. Um, so that's how that's how everything's going to go. Um, I'm going to be a lot shorter than I was on Friday. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is indictment watch week. Um, and it's going to be real busy. And like literally it can happen anytime. I mean, all the stuff I just talked about could happen in one hour. Um, or it could take a few days, so it just it just uh, it just depends on how prepared Jack Smith's team uh, is to, to move forward. I think they are. I think you've seen that the guy's been going at warp speed since he just got appointed this last year, um, and uh, you know it, I you know I've been totally satisfied with the with the pace at which he's been going and and the intensity of his investigation and follow up. Um, and also, just looking through everything, the meticulousness of his investigation has been remarkable. It's actually probably one of the most f- profound governmental investigations in the history of America, especially yeah. considering it's of a former vice president, a former president, right. excuse me. I, I'm sure that Mayor Garland,
0: being of that same, uh, cut from that same cloth, probably chose him for those reasons because he knew that he is also, uh, you know, a dot the I and cross the T kind of. Uh, Person. So um, thank you so much for coming in and sharing. And uh, this, like I said, uh, like Mark has said, and a lot of the other legal analysts that I've heard, you know, could happen any day, you know, or, you know, today. So we're going to keep. Um, looking to Mark to help uh, us understand what is happening and sort things out. And uh, Renee and he um, put their heads together and Renee will bring it to us in uh, plain speak um, and give us some laughs while she's doing it too. So she has joined us too. So I'm looking forward to hearing from her, seeing what she has to bring uh, to uh, the conversation today. I know it's going to be great. Um, She always is, um, uh, bringing us good information. And up next, we've got Susan and then Renee. Mark, I um, hope you're able to hang out here for a while because I feel like this is gonna be a lot of our conversation today. Thank you. So Susan and then Renee.
8: Hey, Great to be here again. I've been listening to a lot of spaces using an alt account and this is just um, so refreshing to be in here <laughs> compared to what I hear in those spaces. But um, the one thing that gets a little bit disheartening, I come in here and there's a much smaller group here, but the amount of intellect and expertise and reason that I hear here and then I go into those spaces and there's can be hundreds of people tuning in now I can't tell how many of those listeners are listening like I am and kind of auditing or listening because they're true believers of what they're hearing in there but sometimes I get a little disheartened at how large their spaces are Um, the ones that are you know uh the what the groups that see the
0: disinformation
8: (laughs) yeah the trump as the only suitable candidate the ones that believe they're in a holy war the ones that believe they're in spiritual warfare to save our country um the ones that are supporters of j6ers because they believe that the election truly was stolen and that they were justified in fighting against that they actually believe that it was a noble thing so you know it gets um, sometimes disheartening been here in there and listen to how it's, many it's,
0: it's their new lost cause
8: really you know, yeah like and EDC I think that's what promoting... makes it <laughs> yes exactly and that's what um, is so frightening to me because it's not just because they're adopting some sort of thing to garner clicks or to grift um, they truly believe they're part of a mission and I think when people have a very visceral fear or anger about something and to them it's real uh, and to them it's a mission then it becomes extra dangerous because then there's no reasoning with them right and so um that and, and they actually believe it's a divine mission uh, to save the country from the evil democrats
0: and the evil that's yeah. taking over our country and so and, i think and it, when it's part of their their actual religion like the dominionists like. right right <clears throat> christian
8: nationalism and that sort of thing and it's also disheartening to me that i think our normie political press and our largest legacy political desks don't understand it well enough yet we see smatterings of coverings Uh, in reporting on it but the legacy and especially TB they just kind of ignore it and I don't know if it's I don't know why they're ignoring it because there could be multiple things motivating different newsroom decisions some of it might be well we shouldn't amplify that or um, they don't really understand it or they still think it's too fringy and they don't understand the fierceness of it so even though it might represent a small proportion numerically in the number of people um, the intensity of their beliefs matters and as we know it only takes a few people to who are militant about something who can do a lot of damage Um, so
0: uh, that's in fact, what... that's actually what's happening now. It is really a very small minority of people in this country, but they are a very vocal, loud, and well-funded minority. Exactly.
8: So um now, papers are improving a little bit, but um, TV cable is still horrible so we had like this Sunday Martha Raddatz, they on, uh, on ABC on their Sunday morning show they chose to uh, platform and ampl- amplify the fringy Vivek uh, Indian guy um, I'm not going to try to say his last name Ramaswamy or something like that um, and, and yeah. there's no there's no journalism reason to platform him he's got no uh, proportionate numbers of support that would garner amplifying him um, so there's only really bad reasons. And, and and then then they prove it was there were no journalistic reasons for platforming him by how they handle the interview. because if the interview is to, we're going to expose, uh, you know, um, how uh, non-evidence based his positions are, We're going to fact check him all that. But if they don't do that fiercely, then they're showing their hand, right? That they're just going for the, uh, he's a great attention gamer the click metrics and that sort of thing. And it's just so gross and so harmful to democracy, but I'm going to jump to um, Kristen Welker. Um, I love uh, listening to Danny. I think she had to jump off, but um, I like that. I can tell she's like, I am that she picks up the nuances and the differences between reporters and hosts and different shows and that sort of thing. And I would say that I do think that possibly public pressure of uh, pushing back at how poorly Chuck Todd would fact check or, prov- or provide follow-up questions. Can you still hear me?
0: Yes, we can. Okay. You're great. Right. Okay. Um,
8: that, you know, and he would always become a trending hashtag and that sort of thing. To a fault, news people and media were always the ones that paid attention to Twitter. But in this case, it might have turned out for the good because, they have big egos. They do look at um, what other media people are saying about them. And in this case, I feel like they realize that Chuck Todd got a lot, a lot of pushback and was getting to be like almost like a caricature, um, a cartoonish character that people made fun of all the time and, and yeah, so Danny
0: mentioned the nickname <laughs> right and so I do I do
8: think that maybe that influenced um, the executive decision to change him out because first they downgraded him um a little bit and then from
0: the weekend yeah yeah and,
8: yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then now um Kristen Walker so I will say that I have I I have picked up nuances uh, in differences in the correspondence the reporter habits between the TV people who are assigned to the White House and those who cover Congress and those who cover like the departments like DOD and DOJ. And the reporters um, who cover DOD tend to be like the best reporters. They follow the best journalism standards there. Um, I think it's because they're, they're in their work because they're not there for the top limelight like the White House is. They, um, if you listen to their questions, they're much smarter questions. Whoever's holding the press conference, they don't um, ask the gotcha attempt questions and that sort of thing. And um, the the reporters that get assigned to the White House, I don't know if it's the culture of that pool. I don't know if it's because those are the personalities that kind of get that considered top tier assignment to be assigned to the White House. But when you've got the Peter Bakers of New York Times, he's assigned to the White House and some of the other reporters assigned to the White House, they tend to have the largest egos. They tend to ask the stupidest questions. They tend to be the most cynical in their approach. Um, they get whiny on Twitter if they're not allowed enough questions or not allowed enough pool access. Um, so I just that culture is is the one I dislike the most. And Kristen Welker comes out of that. Now, they're not all like that. And I will say that somehow Kelly O'Donnell's news to me is top tier Uh, demonstrator of journalistic standards. She's been White House correspondent for years. She did it through the Trump administration, and I find her always fair. She would stand in front of the White House during the Trump administration, and she had the ability to speak truth without sounding – like, she was picking sides, but she would always include context that revealed when he was saying something inaccurate. She would always include that in her stand-up. And, I don't know, I so, but not many reach her standards. <laughs> Sometimes I've seen Kristen Welker fall into that uh, negative culture I was describing. I've seen her do the gotcha attempt questions and ask stupid questions. And you know that seemed to be like I'm looking for the sound bite that'll be clicky or I'm or I whatever and I'm hoping that that um, hasn't impacted her too much when she takes on this new role as hosting because I really want her to succeed and I really do believe she's an improvement over Chuck Todd um, I do think that when we all of us in here I know give um, critiques and feedback and pushback press and I that all of us are the, also really good about trying to amplify great reporting um so when so, when reporting is hits the nail on the head try to call out the reporter try to tag take the few minutes to actual handle and tag them and say that, that sort of thing because it really is a world of a lot of egos folks and they <laughs> they notice what gets attention and then they also have professionals at each publication that studies engagement metrics, and they will produce more of whatever gets engagement. So while I agree that we should push back on the profiles of the fringy candidates and we don't want them amplified, but be really explicit on why you're pushing back. Like, why are you amplifying this person? Because, you know, they have such low support or they've been proven that they say inaccurate things or this candidate is anti-science and an anti-science person should get nowhere public health and safety governance. So when you're very explicit with why, um, I think they're more willing to um, actually listen to you and take you as a serious person. Um, Some of us, I know we get really frustrated, but when you just say all media is trash, I see comments like that. They're just going to tune you out um, because there are serious people trying to work Within that sector, there's good people trying to work in every newsroom. And as we know, even in one large company, one department can be a much better culture and operate with more ethics than another department. So it's really a spectrum, and every newsroom is different. And even the shows on the stations are different. So, like, well, I'm completely not giving one engagement metric to cnn unless i'm criticizing them on twitter but i do not tune my dial to cnn for anything right now um because i'm so mad at the choice that they have making and to me it's it's not about being pro-democratic party or pro-republican party it's be it's about being pro-accuracy and if you if you if you lean away from accuracy for any reason um, in the for the guise of neutrality or something like that, but it takes you away from accuracy. That, that's not ethical. That's not right, and that hurts. So, we need to be really specific about why you are. Uh, and And here's a reminder about um, GIF links. I, th- I said this before, but I've learned how to um, use GIF links that other people post. And I try to use uh, my gift links because I do subscribe to Washington Post and New York Times and a number of publications. So I have 10 per month that I can give. If you see somebody else post a gift link, if you click on the gift link and then you're you're on a mobile device, that GIF link will open. If you go to the browser box window at the top of your device and you copy the URL from there, you can copy and then paste it into a new post and it will still stay as a no paywall gift link. Um, so if you, if you would rather like write your own caption or copy for it and, and fuel the engagement metrics that way um, other, otherwise you can just retweet GIF links that other people have already posted. And then whoever sees that will also be able to click it as a gift link. But that's just something I, you know, I go search for links of our, I like on Washington Post and New York Times, if I see an article I think is good reporting that deserves more eyeballs, I will actually kind of browse and see if anybody else has posted gift links because I try to ration out the 10 per month that I
0: have. I know I usually do uh, I only have a subscription to the post, and uh, I ration that I usually wait to the toward the end of the month because i I get so happy sometimes, and then i there's one that I want to do. and I was like, oh, I don't have any left. So I appreciate you again sharing with us how we can uh, really capitalize on those gift links,
8: yeah. And then um I will say the other thing is I just Oh, I haven't really known what I wanted to do for TikTok. The reason somebody, I like the terms that we said earlier, K-Hive adjacent, maybe that maybe I qualify for that because I don't put like hashtag K-Hive in my profile. I don't even put like Democrat or anything in my profile. And I do that very strategically because I am talking to the press a lot. And I know if they see that somebody is partisan, one way or the other, they um, dismiss your comments a bit. And so that's strategic on my part to try to have my profile look like I'm just about media and comms, which that's my profession. Um, And I feel like they might possibly be more open to listening to me if I don't look that way. And the other thing is I want to kind of say I'm also trying to maneuver kind of in my my white community with influence a little bit. So um, I subscribe to the Bulwark I don't agree with everything that the Bulwark says. They are conservatives, but I will tell you that they have probably done more good in terms of tamping down Trump's power than some uh, far left progressives have in some ways, uh, particularly with the white community. So when you see me interact with them and amplify their posts and that sort of thing, I will tell you that is also strategic because my targeted area and audience is white community that might be right of center, um, and, and kind of moderate. And so, uh, don't think that I'm not all in <laughs> with, uh, Biden Harris because I am all in. And, um, you know, maybe if I retire and don't have to get work from public entities like University of Minnesota and stuff, I can start being, like, actually full partisan on my account. But um, I'm a freelancer and I work with nonprofits and that sort of thing. And I just kind of have to walk a fine line. Um, but in terms of younger audiences, um, I just love that there, I'm seeing some accounts like the Gen Z for Biden and some younger. Um, and I'm so enthused just i count on that for positive thinking that i see younger voters getting engaged um in in a positive way and i think this kind of relates back to some comments about the bernie west cornell west Um, in some ways they're just they're newly engaged and of course who doesn't get excited about hearing like oh they're for something that they're for things that sound to me Uh, And it's just kind of superficial, because they're just getting their toes in the water. And I was like that, too. And I will just say in my 20s, I probably only voted in the elections that were for presidents, I probably wasn't that great at knowing my local reps. And I also probably didn't even understand really well, like, you know, the executive branch whichever party is in charge of the executive branch is going to affect the whole judicial system with judge appointments. Those kinds of understandings I did not have in my twenties. And I feel like now I see younger people that I have a better understanding of those things. So those of you who are so excellent at, uh, on TikTok and, and generating joy and positivity about younger things, I think to keep reminding them about just the big brand differences between the party because it's really easy for them to kind of get maybe uh, distracted or attracted to magnetic personalities that sound like they're promising a lot uh, and they get on a candidate's like an individual candidate who's promising things from the government. When in reality, I think it would be wiser, this is me, if um, Democrats got a little bit more honest about having in a while government isn't the answer to everything. Um, I think that that would be wise because I think there's a lot of problems with over what government can do. Just about, yeah, um, fraud can come in there, dark money can corrupt it. Um, We do have to have invest in oversight and measurement to make sure that these programs that we want th- to have good intentions, that the outcomes are actually matching up with the outcomes and our intentions that we wanted and that there aren't um, unintended consequences happening. You know, but uh, that's just me. But getting back to the brand statements, I think if the younger people just hear the big points about if you want good climate policy policy. The Democratic Party is for that. The Republican Party is not. If you are for reproductive health rights and access to abortion care, then you want to support the Democratic Party. The Republican Party is against that. In very simple terms, the really big things, if you are for human rights for all humans and you do not support hate and bigotry against LGBTQ plus communities then you are for the Democratic Party. The Republican Party is not. So those are just some things to remind us that while we like to get in the weeds because we are detailed oriented people, we are policy people, we're wonky people in terms of younger voters, they kind of just need to get the really big points about if you want diverse judges, if you want. Um, judges who will protect human rights over over corporations' rights, that kind of thing, then you want the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party, that kind of thing. So that's... And, and I also, I love that the Biden-Harris is kind of going all in on photos showing joy and happiness and that sort of thing. So they've gotten some good stuff out there. I think just focusing on retweeting and amplifying their content is a good thing, too, because we know the norm the normie newsrooms are not going to cover Biden-Harris very much unless they got something they can criticize them on. So thank you all and have a great day. Oh, I, I put a bunch of links. Thank you so NAS2 um, that are positive reports about the economy that came out today. So I think that would be good to push those out.
0: Awesome. Thank you so very much. Always honored again. I know that you're always listening uh, to our space. You all uh, also go over into the dark water spaces. Thank you for doing that so that we don't have to. Um, And, um, you know, I appreciate you sharing with us because I know a lot of people are in those situations where we have to work, we have to eat. Um, and in this day and age of social media, you know, companies look at those things and um, it's important that we be able to, you know, feed ourselves and do things, um, but also fight for democracy. And however, uh, we have to do that because of our unique situation. Um, we have to do it. So thank you um, for doing it. Thank you for, you know, listening and helping to bring that kind of information uh to us what you know they're lamenting and and saying and and helping um us uh, be aware of when we're speaking to other people that we are trying to um affect change or or reason with um reminding us of um you know different approaches that may be more um, beneficial and helpful than others i know renee had a space with some young people and We got to hear some of those things, too. So you're absolutely right. And Mark spoke to it at one point, too, about being specific and keeping it simple. You know, I love the KISS method. You know, we don't have to, as you say, always get down in the weeds. Not everyone is as curious as 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 the folks who are in our community. Um, So um, we have to understand, but we do need them to understand. So that's why I like, I don't mind going digging in the uh, weeds about dark money. So I don't want to bore everyone, you know, with all the details and everything that I'm finding, but I absolutely want people to understand how it's being um, injected and how it's um, guiding and affecting the things that are happening because it absolutely is like, my turning point um video and research um there are really very direct links to these recent um um, target pride display attacks and they are being uh, funded by turning point and turning point is being funded by extreme um, uh, religious leaders and they are also being funded and um, working in partnership although they They try to keep it on the down low, but with some very extreme uh, white nationalist groups and figures. So it's important that we stay well informed and in order to inform others and um, understanding how um, we may be able to better do that. So thanks so much for that. And up next we've got Renee and then Engazi and this has been a fabulous conversation today. I'm so happy to have all of our contributors and certainly those listening in the gallery today. So Renee, how are you? Hey,
5: I'm I'm good. It's a good good Monday. Um I was hoping I'd wake up to indictment news, but <laughs> 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 but it's moving along so I'm not going to complain. Um I do want to say just to revisit the whole young people thing just for 2 seconds. Um uh, yes, we hosted that space. I'm still getting comments about it. Um, and, you know, you want to always invite them to conversation. I think that you can get specific, actually, with young people. Um, I think that 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 you you actually can um, get specific with them um, because. um if you're talking to a large group, maybe not so much, but I think that, you know, we all have young people or most of us have young people in our lives. And, you know, the young people of today are, are not necessarily like we were because they're the what they're facing, like there's so many things that the Republicans are doing that are attacking them, right? They're saying they don't want them to be able to vote as early as, as they can and abortion affects them directly. And then they've got this gun violence, that is in all of their communities and it is, is a real threat to them right in their schools. So if you speak to them on specific issues and get into those weeds, they're going to listen to that because that affects them greatly. One of the the main reasons that people like these kind of extreme leftists are, are able to appeal to them is because, yeah, they're saying things that they want to hear. They, the, these are things that make them feel good while, and it's a stark contrast, to you know, hearing what what they hear that is uh, that's coming at them from a very negative uh, place, and that is like threatening their being, their way of life, and their future. Um, and we haven't, I mean, in all of that, and then you can even add climate change to that as well. If you speak directly to kids, it's, it's again specifically on those topics. They they actually can absorb a lot because they're paying attention a lot more. Um,
0: they're being affected, and as you said, in right. real time by many of these right, things. Right, which is why
5: they're they're paying more attention. And you know, growing up, I had people in my life who spoke to me specifically about politics. But again, this was more so one on one, and these are people that I were already in my life, and they didn't tell me how to think. But you know, we we got into, you know, we got into deep conversations about certain things, and that helped to. Not necessarily form my worldview, but it helped me to understand how to pay attention and what to pay attention to. And in life, whether it's politics or otherwise, you always have to be on the lookout for a grifter or for somebody taking advantage of you. And that's no matter what area of life that is. And so those are skills that, you know, you're already trying to teach the young people in your life. So just extending that to politics is really not a difficult thing. And it's become... So much of what we do and how we move about right now is, you know, is being affected at at local levels. So it's it's easier to, I think, have that conversation with kids now, just like kids are more debt savvy now and they're just they're paying more attention than I, I was when I was their age. And in working in schools, I have seen that shift. You know, I've seen 17, 18 year olds come into college with, you know, far more uh, awareness than, you know, than they had in years prior. So um, but it, like I said, it it takes that conversation. You don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a Twitter account or TikTok. If you do, that's great. And there are people who are great or skilled at, you know, at reaching the masses. But you can just reach to people in your life and just have a conversation with them and just see kind of what they're thinking and how they feel about stuff. I mean, you know, and it doesn't even have to be deep and it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, you know, the relative that's bringing up all that boring stuff or whatever. It could just be, you know, a regular conversation because they are thinking about it, right? Because like I said,
0: Right. You know, Ga- gauge where they yeah. are and the concerns that they yeah. have and and craft your, your uh, end message. Yeah, because um, all of them that. are going to
5: be worried about gun violence. All of them are going to be worried about the climate you know most of them are going to be worried about abortion like those are things that immediately they're they're going to have, have opinions on and student debt if, if those are if you just mention that stuff they'll if a young person is even remotely paying attention they're probably going to rent um without you even having to approve them too much so that's just all i wanted to say about that um cornell west is running for president Oh. <laughs> which is funny. I'm not going to give him much attention because I, I have, you know, I have other priorities <laughs> um, for the next few months, but um, I will be looking out on my timeline and looking for There's a couple of people who have promised to um, read him for filth. And so I'm going to retweet them and I'm going to be looking, looking for their tweets. I got a couple of people who have whose notifications I've turned on. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> We might as well get this out of our system, Cause he's just gonna be a total fool, and clearly he needs money. You know, I, when's the last time we even heard of Cornell West? Like this is just hysterical. Exactly, and I think he
0: should be dragged because we did a pretty good job with Marianne Wilson, uh, Williamson, and she
5: kind of uh, bowed her head.
0: Yeah, she's she. Well, you can't she
5: heard her campaign imploded because she couldn't. She was paying those people with you know with crystals, and uh, she's being mean to everybody. So. You know, her campaign basically imploded. So now oh, she
0: wasn't as sweet
5: uh in real life and, and um uh, loving and all embracing right and, and uh- Zen goddess but <laughs> truly a, a witch. And so um so now Cornell is gonna, you know, I guess pick up the Bernie Mantle. It's it's hysterical. They they all need help. And if somebody was in my mentions like I'm going to vote for him and I can vote against Biden here. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. And then they're like, this neo neo neoliberal. I was like, yeah, I I told you, I don't, I, I don't care. I don't care what you do with your vote. You sound crazy. You don't even follow me. So why are you replying to me? Um, You know, then they blocked. I know those people are so crazy. I'm not not arguing with them this cycle. I don't care. Y'all have a right to be stupid and I respect your right to be stupid. And I'm going to let you be stupid. I'm not going back and forth. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care. I'm not begging for your vote. I'm not getting into an argument with you. And if you want to call me a neo whatever, I'm going to laugh. None of that's going to get to me because you all are crazy and we're fighting, you know, we're fighting lunatic fascists. And, you know, and you want to tell me what you want to do with your vote because you think that it's really going to stick it to the Dems. like I don't have time for that I'm a grown-up okay so go play somewhere else cultivate real relationships with people and maybe you won't be so resentful of everything I don't know I wish I wish all the best um but anyway <laughs> Trump Trump is getting God I don't care what happens I don't care who's meeting with who um, and this is what I put in my thread because as Mark and I were going back and forth in DMs and he was kind of giving me information and I'm reading Harry Litman's, um feed who, you know, he's kind of one of my go to's. But I was just like, well, what is he talking about? Because he's like, well, you know, they're going to work. They're going to work out a deal. And this is what's typical. And I get that because deals are made. But Trump is not a typical client. Trump is the most non-cooperative client in the history of 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 lawsuits like he there's no way so you know if I'm the DOJ if I'm with no intention of reforming well no he's no intention and and no interest and and he he lacks the capacity to to reform I think that for me that is the the point that I always am going to default to he has no self-control so you're and this is a man who has lied to his own attorneys. I mean, he's lied to his own representation. He's got his own, his own attorneys are exposed because he lied to them. And there are, some of them are in trouble. So even if I sit down, if I'm, a, if I'm in the DOJ and I sit down with your attorneys and we make some sort of deal, how, how do I begin to trust that your client is going to cooperate? Cause your client lies to you too. And while we're in this meeting, he's posting messages on his truth social account that are the ravings of a lunatic. So whatever. And so now it's kind of come out that the meeting was, you know, that they kind of made a, an appeal or whatever, but it it wasn't necessarily like a deal necessarily or a plea. And again, I just, these are things that I just don't think that Trump is capable of agreeing to. So his attorneys seem like they're still trying to do right by him, but- They've been trying that this entire time. And if you've been following how his attorneys have been arguing with each other, again, as I said, like the last time, there are teams of them that are going back and forth with each other because you've got a couple of them that want to do the right thing and try to I bet reduce, the
0: ketchup is flying there. Yeah, they
5: want to reduce his his, his legal woes, but he. He will. I mean, he just won't do right. And he has made the situation so much worse by not giving up all the documents. He may still have a document. I mean, it's just craziness. So at this point, it's like, let's just bring it on and let's just get to it because this is what it is. And then the last thing I want to say, because I just want to just put this out here before all of these um, before he's indicted again. And I really hope that it happens this week. Like I said, I'm giving Jack until Juneteenth. But I really hope that it happens this week. Um, But I just want everybody to understand that, one, the process takes a very long. This is going to take a long time. If he is indicted soon, the trial probably won't be for another year. I mean, we're going to be in this for a minute. And I just want people to remember, because it's going to get bumpy, that Donald Trump would try to run for president from a jail cell. There is nothing that is going to keep him from running for president. He could be convicted. None of that unfortunately stops him from running for president. So, I
1: I'm think- glad you brought that up, yes. Renee. Because I've seen so many people thinking that that's going to stop them. So I really hope you expand yes, on that. Yes, because Thank
5: I you. mean, and, and Mark, can, you know, can chime in, but I have, I have I did my research on this a bit and actually a couple of the podcasts that I do legal podcasts that I listened to touched upon this in the last like week or two, because, you know, um, the timeline there 's a lot of people that you know that wanted this to happen sooner, and I agree that the things could have happened sooner um, and there 's a case for why they should have happened sooner and Mark has made that case eloquently, but for the people who are who think that that would have changed um, his approach or would have prevented him from running. No, he probably would have run more aggressively and more vigorously because he has convinced himself that the only way that he can possibly get out of the legal trouble that he is in is to be president again. He knew that in November 2020, when he lost the race, he knew that on January 6th, when he was sitting around watching, you know, watching his base, tried to kill members of Congress and run over the Capitol. He knew that that was his only shot and nothing has changed. And why? Because he knows that he committed crimes when he was in office. And he knows he committed crimes after he left office. So the man knows that he's a criminal. He doesn't think that he should be held accountable for it, but he knows that he's broken the law, as according to you know regular people who have common sense. A thug knows he's a thug. A criminal knows he's a criminal. It, with everything that happened in E.G. and Carroll case, he knew that he was guilty and he knew he was going to be found guilty. That's why that fool was nowhere near that court, and that's why his his uh, testimony was a deposition, and he did not go and sit into court and give a testimony because. He knew he would further incriminate himself, and he knew the whole time that he was guilty. So that's his ticket. That's his key. Nothing that happens, the indictment, all of that, none of that that happens is going to stop him from seeking office. He's got to be, if he makes it to the general election, because Because he probably will, but we don't know for sure. But if he makes it, he's got to be beaten again. And so I just want to say that and make that clear because we have to manage expectations and people have to understand, one, how unprecedented this all is. Two, how insane it all is. And three, they're like, hi, you know, we live in pretty interesting times. But at the same time, I think that people have to try to be realistic about the timetable. You've got a former... (laughs) Twice impeached president who's been indicted once, found civilly liable for rape and defamation, okay, who is going to be civilly tried again and probably indicted two or three more times before the general election uh, next year. I mean, never, ever, ever will you probably hear something like this. We like, couldn't oh. have written a script for yes. that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be a wild, bumpy ride. And so I just, like I said, I just want to put that out there because nothing is gonna stop him from trying to seek, you know, the the relief that that he feels is his only ticket to to trying to avoid accountability. And so just be prepared for that. And if I, you know, I I we all know who he is at this point. So. You know what I mean? This is the the ride that we're on. And I hope that he takes everybody that steps into the Republican primary. I hope he takes them down with (laughs) with him. Hope he destroys those people's careers. That's what I'm wanting. Get in there, fight. Mm-hmm. Let well, Lindsay prophesied exactly what was going to yeah. happen. Yep. Let them all jump in and, and, and get silly. And, and um, you know, and then hopefully he'll continue to splinter the party, you know, through the next cycle. And we can make some changes and, you know, but we got a ways to go. So that's all I wanted to say. Um, and I'm going to actually move to listener. But everybody have a good week. Fingers crossed. We get some good indictment news this week.
0: Yes, we are all crossing our fingers and we are watching you and Mark's timeline for the legal um, hot takes and updates. And I thank you uh, both for coming in and uh, giving um, us that uh, today. And I, I totally agree with what you just said. We do have to keep that in mind because... He will run no matter what. The whole reason he formed the campaign was to keep from going to jail. So nothing is going to stop him. And um we have to be aware of that and still um, be about our business and our mission, knowing all of that. So thank you so very much. I appreciate you making that important point. Um Up next, we've got... um Ngazi and then LMZ who has joined us today. So grateful that she was able to carve out some time in her day. So looking forward to hearing from you both. Oh, I think Ngazi may be having connection problems. So, oh, here she comes back.
4: Are you there, dear? Yes.
2: Can you guys hear me? Yes. Sorry, my my spaces is not working.
0: Um, but Twitter doesn't want us <laughs> to be great, but we we keep fighting. Yes.
2: Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, hi, Misty. Hi, Soul Sister. So glad to be here um, and to hear everyone's voices. So. Um, Great conversation. I came in with Miss Susan talking about the news and the media and Renee already did a great job um, with her contributions. So I don't want to harp too much because um, people already made really good points. But I did want to bring up that uh, to tie into what Susan was saying about the news, which is like news organizations are corporations, right? Or they're part of larger corporations. So despite the fact that these news rooms are full of people who probably want to do good work. Unfortunately, they're part of organizations, so they don't care about that. They don't care about democracy. They don't care about truth and facts. They care about what's going to make them money, especially because they're part of corporations that are like their metrics for what is considered successful. Like they're media corporations, right? This is why we're seeing the writer strike in Hollywood now. These people do not care about storytelling or movies, they simply care about what's making them money. And so it's a mismatch between being able to get facts and truth and what makes these people money. And they're willing to go down and bring this country down as long as it lines their pockets. Because we do know that in authoritarian regimes, the first to fall are the corporations. <laughs> because those authoritarians will come and take their businesses from them. And so they fawn in front of them to try to maintain some semblance of... Uh, control or or sense of safety. And so I think, I mean, even if we are looking at CNN, that's what CNN is doing, is we have to fawn to these people because we need their viewers. We're seeing this happen with the GOP race to tie into what Renee was saying about, yes, 45 is going to try to run from jail, which I'm not sure, because I don't believe you can profit off of your crime. So if he's indicted for an insurrection and he's sitting in somebody's prison, I'm not sure how he's gonna fundraise money. Cause wouldn't that not be like, he's fundraising off being in jail. I don't know how that would all work. But the GOP race, these people are hopping into the race because they're hoping that when he goes to prison or somebody moves him off the board, that's not them. Then they can kind of absorb um, his supporters without them having to do any actual hard work to differentiate themselves. And it puts the rest of us in a position of, like, it's a race to the bottom, which with Trump, it's always a race to the bottom. But the problem for media is they are presenting these people as if they're not unserious people. That Nikki Haley in <laughs> town hall, she had very unserious answers to real questions. And Jake Tapper, just let her say it. Just leaving it out there that, oh, when you ask Joe Biden whether or not he's going to ban abortion at 38 weeks, 39 weeks, as if that's ever happening anywhere. That's not a real, that's not a serious answer, but it was just left there to hang because unfortunately we have to treat the Republican party as if they are a viable party comparison to the Democrat party who actually wants to govern. And so how do we make sure that we separate the unserious people from the actual hard work of governance when everyone wants a microwave solution? And so um, something that was mentioned by um, the guys over at Pod Save America on, on their pod this past week is get off the social medias because, like, one, it's a small percentage of people, and two, these people are not serious people, even <laughs> large the scope. And start talking to people where you live. Like, it's the people you do life with day to day who are not necessarily concerned about kind of the culture war stuff that we see on a regular basis. They're mainly really concerned with like what do you, what's happening for them in real time, and so it's about figuring out how do we message what we all do here every single day in these um, on our spaces and with each other and conversations online, and breaking those pieces down for people who are not in the news, who don't understand what's going on, who probably have forgotten about this insurrection and why would Trump when that when that notification comes on Trump is indicted, we got to remind these people. It's not a return. It's not just a personal attack. It's, hey, do you not remember when he tried to do an insurrection? That's what that's about. Um, Explaining the debt limit. We're talking right now, arguing about the student loan thing, but people seem to not understand that we were paying back these loans anyway. So figuring out for yourself within your own giftings, within your own strengths, how do you explain to the people you do life with what's most important? So I just want to add that to the conversation, picking back off of what everybody else has already contributed. So thank you for the time.
0: Well, thank you so very much. And I appreciate having your perspective because, you know, you're younger. You um, have um, a unique perspective and that you uh, work in the, um, you know, social um, services Um environment with children. So um, and I know I, re, I remember you went to uh, an uh, evangelical college. So you you understand and have a, a very unique perspective and I'm always so grateful uh, to have you come in and, and share with us. So thank you so much uh, for doing that today. And uh, up next we've got LMZ.
9: Good afternoon, Miss D. Good afternoon, Soul Sister. Thank you both so much for the opportunity and the honor to speak in this afternoon's advocacy arena. I appreciate it. Um, Yes, so I have uh, made a couple notes and I'm just going to share a couple thoughts and then I will go back to um, listener because I'm at work, but um, I was able to carve out this time to just come in and good afternoon to everyone that's in the space. And I hope that you all, wherever you are, um, are having a, a positive um, and productive Monday. So um, where I am about all of this, um, in, in my opinion, is that to um, all of this, this is deja vu all over to me again, but um, it's not deja vu in a good way. And I don't find um, anything at this point that lightens my spirit about it much at all. Um, I feel an impending sense of dread. Um, First, I'll talk about the Republicans, and then I'll talk about what I feel, in my opinion, we need to do as those of us that are trying to save democracy from fascists. Um, for the Republicans, what I see is, again, just like in 2016, a lineup of a whole bunch of different candidates, just like there was before. And then eventually the last man standing was Donald Trump. There was a ton of candidates. You all were there. And the last man standing or woman, because there was Farley um, Carly Arena in 2016, and right now we have Nikki Haley, um, but the last person standing was Donald J. Trump. Now, it can be thought that he might be in jail, but as Renee just pointed out to us and Marcus pointed out to us, they, he will continue to run for presidency from, from jail. Uh, we cannot think about him in rational or sane terms. We cannot think about this as what would be normal or expected or make any kind of sane sense. There is no depth of hell he will not go to. He will continue to run from presidency even if he is in jail. Now, let's talk about the people that would actually support him. That's a small percentage. That's not going to be an overwhelming percentage or high number. I agree. It wouldn't be the entire electorate of people. But if he is the Republican nominee, Um, a lot of people would still vote for him. So that's concerning. If he's not in jail, then that concerns me as well, because I don't want him to have any opportunity, him and his crime crime syndicate um, and his white nationalist platform to be anywhere near the White House and our government again. Now, let's talk about some of the other people. People I'm sure on here have all different opinions and I respect all of your opinions. My opinion is not necessarily the right one, but there are a couple people that are running in the race that would, I believe, be prepared to be his vice president. And that includes possibly Nikki Haley. That includes maybe possibly Tim Scott. You all don't need to tweet me that you disagree with me about that. It's okay if you disagree with me about that, but I assure you that Donald Trump is not going to put up an all white male um, ticket if he makes it to the, be the Republican candidate. I promise you that. He's not going to put up an all-white male ticket. They are going to go head-to-head against Biden and Harris. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention is that um, Mike Pence, as we all know, has filed his papers, and he's going to announce at his CNN town hall you know, on Wednesday, which is his birthday, and um, it cannot be understated the power of the um, white evangelical church to bring out Republican people to vote. Um, Anyone that um, does not follow that, if you don't follow that, and that's okay that you don't follow that, that's not part of your faith journey, or you're of a different faith practice, or you don't practice that, or whatever the case may be, that's fine. You don't have to, but you can take it from me. I don't have any reason to lie to you. This is an incredibly powerful group and an incredibly powerful voting block. And they will single issue vote off of one item. And that is abortion. And it won't matter what else is said by anyone else running for president of these United States. It will not matter about the economy. It will not matter about climate. It will not matter about a war. It will not matter about public education. It will not matter about LGBTQ plus rights. None of these things will matter. The right to life movement and the evangelical movement is that powerful. If you don't know that or don't wanna believe me about that, Google is free. Lmz,
0: yes, can, uh, you're on such a roll, and I, but you, I want to stop there. Just a yes, they are yes, very of course, powerful. it's your
10: space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but I hate interrupting you guys when you're just giving out such great information, and you're in your passion, and um, I hate to stop your flow, uh, and I don't want to do it, but um, I want to just inter- reiterate the fact that. What you said is so absolutely true and that Turning Point USA is a big way in which they're doing that. Hear me. In 2021, they formed an organization that is just targeted toward the faith community. In fact, the whole purpose is to create um, uh, activism within the faith community. So, yeah. Yeah.
9: Yes, ma'am, absolutely. And Renee mentioned to us in the Friday night space about the um, Duggar documentary, Shiny Happy People. So I did watch it over the entire weekend. And um, what was in there was showing the, again, of course, there is depths to um, this ideology from the Duggar family being exposed that there's, there's, there's a cult even there. But it shows the evangelical power and their influence in regard to um, our our po- our politics and our elections. And then um, there's another documentary that um, Don recommended um, that's called The Family that has been out for several years on Netflix. It is incredibly eye-opening uh,
11: mm-hmm. with the same and thing a book. that shows. Mm-hmm.
9: Yes. And there's a book about it. This is real. <laughs> this is not conspiracy theory. This is not Twitter fodder. This is none of that. This is is real and so as much as I can laugh with the next person about the fly on Mike Pence's head during his uh you know vice presidential debate with Madam VP in 2020 I promise you him running for president and running on a pro-life campaign and hiding his white nationalism behind evangelical Bible verses and behind uh, coming across as a Sunday school teacher will be incredibly powerful. And anyone who wants to negate that or ignore that or diminish that because you just want to make fun of Christian people, you have the right to do that. But that will be to your own uh, demise because he is going to be an extremely powerful opponent. And another reason he's going to be an extremely powerful opponent is because President Biden, although he is a man of deep, enduring, abiding faith, and anyone who questions that is, is spiritually ungrounded, President Biden is a practicing Catholic. There are still people in the evangelical world that passionately believe that Catholic people are going to hell. You don't have to agree with that in this space right now with us in advocacy arena. That's fine. I don't believe that at all. One entire half of my family are practicing Catholic people while another half is Protestant. I certainly don't believe those people are going to hell or that the people that have already transitioned are burning in hell. But there is a huge group of evangelical, especially white evangelicals in this country, that absolutely believe right now that President Biden is going to hell. So if you underestimate what is coming... Because you don't want to, you know, give the, the you know, the foo-foo Christian people or they're a joke or this and that or the culture. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm telling you right now, today in June of 2023, what's getting ready to come when Michael Pence says on the CNN town hall that he is running for president and the fly on his head is not going to be funny anymore. And the fact that he has he stood up against stood for Trump for all this time and his life was threatened as the insurrection is going to be played to white evangelicals and even some people of color of faith, which I don't speak for people of color because I'm not a person of color, but I'm a person of faith. And it will be turned into that. He made vows. He made promises that he was in prayer the day of the insurrection And it will be turned into that he was doing his God given duty as the vice president of the United States and that he had made vows to the president and vows to this constitution and that he did what he thought he was supposed to have done. I promise you, (laughs) anybody that wants to, you know, foo-foo him off is making a grave mistake. Now, the last thing I want to say is turning into the Democrats and what we need to do. I, the other reason that it's deja vu is that we have chaos agents in full effect with 17 months to go. And it actually breaks my heart. It actually breaks my heart to know that that President Biden and Madam Vice President took over this country when it was literally they could not even have the inauguration that they deserved. Because less than two weeks before that, the entire capital was under siege. And we were also under a a global pandemic so they couldn't even have the inauguration that they deserved. And they came in with the country burning down from insurrectionists and seditionists and all of our inter- international relations burnt to the ground. No transition plans, no COVID, reco- no COVID recovery plan, um, people in such such suffering because of being out of work and out of school and dying from COVID. And, and here it is. And they've done all they could to give an American recovery plan, a Build Back Better plan, all of this work to rebuild our international relations from both of them, all the trips Madam Vice President has made, all the things that they've done to Filled us back from a pandemic where they've scientifically empirically data put out evidence that shows that Donald Trump is close to, he's responsible for over 750,000 Americans dying needlessly in this country. And here we are. It's not even the end of their first term. It's 17 months to go. And these chaos agents are priming them. And it really it really does break my heart. It brings it really breaks my heart to know. I mean, the Biden Harris administration, the most diverse administration, the most diverse cabinet this United States has ever had. People of different backgrounds, different religions, different ethnicities, different nationalities, members of the LGBTQ community, people of different faith practices. And this is what y'all are going to do. You are going to try to Jill Stein them. Yes. You're going to Jill Stein them. And let us not forget that Hillary Rodham Clinton won the presidential election, the popular vote. She won it. We keep saying she lost to Trump. She didn't lose to Trump, she didn't lose to that orange demon. She lost the electoral college vote. She won the popular vote. It's because the chaos agents and the dead rose crew and the Bernie bros and the contrarians and the Independents and the third part party people and the Medicare for all people and the Crimea river people voted for Jill Stein. So she didn't have enough electoral college votes. So whether it's Marianne Williamson, whether it's RFK jr., whether it's Dr. Cornell West that has the audacity to put out in his campaign ad where he's laughing to Joe Rogan about Brother Biden, the neoliberal. Let me tell you something. I canceled Spotify when all that happened with Joe Rogan. I haven't played a single song on Spotify again. You know why? Because that's worth canceling somebody over. His use of racial epithets, his use of disrespecting black people was worth canceling somebody over. It's not worth canceling Bud Light over that. It's not worth canceling Target over that. But to me, when people were saying we need to cancel Joe Rogan because he uses racial epithets on his podcast, and absolutely dehumanizes dehumanizes black people. Cancel your Spotify subscription. Done. You don't have to tell me twice. And not Cornell West showing in his ad to run for presidency. He's he heing and ha hiding with Joe Rogan. This is a problem to me, friends. This is a problem to me. It might not be a problem to y'all, but Marianne and RFK and Dr. West is a problem to me, because I see déjà vu in regards to what happened in Jill Stein in 2016. And why is it a problem? Because right now in my state, in Miss D state, in red states across the country, Republican legislators have already limited our ability to vote. They've done attacks on voting rights. They've limited early voting hours, early voting days, early voting locations. They've reinstated racist voter ID laws. They are taking away rights from to vote from people who are living with a felony and have done everything they could to re re, 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 re um restore their right to vote. They've taken that back away from them. They are already putting the okie doke in to make it that much harder for when we do go vote in 2024 so i am very concerned at the political landscape i see with 17 months to go it looks like deja vu all over to to me again and with that miss d and miss soul sister thank you so much for the time and i will land my plane
0: thank you so very much um and um we are so thankful that you carved out a little time in your day to come and remind us of these various, um, you know, things that are absolutely serious. And um, we cannot, um, you know, lap it off and, you know, meme it away or, or, you know, joke about the fly. We we have to be absolutely um, focused on what they're doing because in part that is part of their strategy as well because um, these groups um, have a very vibrant um, uh, strategies for uh, twitter and the various different social media platforms um, to put out that um, those kinds of things that will get people caught up in these distracting types of um, engagement you know, like joking and and, or yelling and screaming back and forth. And we cannot um, be fooled by that. And we have to absolutely understand what is at stake and how they're doing it. And you are so absolutely right. And thank you for coming and saying that today about Mike Pence, uh, you know, like going to be embraced because he absolutely is because he fulfills what they're trying to do. Uh, Some of them, it's going to be interesting because TP, uh, Turning Point USA is absolutely uh, tied into the Trump campaign, but they are also tied into this evangelical push. So it's going to be very interesting, but make no means, uh, no mistake about it. The uh, Christian evangelicals have an agenda. And um, their agenda ends in America becoming a theocracy, Okay, not just destroying democracy, but they really want to create recreate the handmaid's tale, you know, and here in some southern states uh, like Tennessee and Florida, uh, they're uh, doing um, quite a good job of uh, showing um how you can do that and and creating that type of environment so we do need to be aware so thanks so much lmz so glad you came in and share with us we have a couple of new speakers up i'm going to go with them first and then um Ghazi i'll come back to you um we're going to be winding down here within the next um 45 minutes uh so if anyone is listening and would like to come up and share this would be the time but please share and retweet the space for those who were not able to join us in this fabulous conversation today but i have another person who i have not heard from in quite some time that i am very excited to hear from and that is davina and then carrie and then ngasi
11: hello i'm so excited to be here Dee. thank you so much for having the platform uh i've been away and i uh forgot to touch base with ali who i know is in paris uh, but I had to go there to renew our family's visas so we could be legally in America for another two years. Uh, so that was exciting. But now my time, the time differences are uh, eliminated. I'm back in Boston. And, yeah, so happy to talk to you all. I really was feeling pain in my heart a little bit for um, for L uh, for LMZ. Mm-hmm. Just I could uh, that focus much pain because it is true um, about how powerful uh, a political pull the the evangelicals have. Their turnout rate is very high, but I still want to say, as a demographic, um, there is there is a little bit of shrinkage. But they they counter that as best they can by having a very good turnout game because they're so practiced and they're so adept at using that language of um almost damnation that that if Democrats are elected everything goes to hell and you go to hell and you know the dire consequences. They they ratchet up that language to to a ten, to a hundred in their uh, from their pulpits. And we know they're not afraid to break that uh church state separation idea. In fact they believe that church-state should be the Same thing, they do believe in a theocracy and they believe that their systems should be applied to yes. all of us, all abide by the kind of cultish, shame based. Uh, now she got little friends. Mm. It makes sense.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I have my mic open. Uh, but are you still there? Yes, yes, yes. So I was. But, I was, I was, yeah. I was
11: interpret that about the shoes and then I was like (laughs) I'm sorry
0: my little one has LPSs that she's excited about and for anyone who doesn't know that's Little Pet Shop. (laughs) Yeah I know I
11: heard that show. Um, Oh that's that makes sense. Uh, So yeah I'm still I'm still feeling cheerful today because because of the fact that politics is a margins game and because Trump is pulling the same kind of emotional appeals that he did in 2020 you know i remember him saying joe biden will um cause the downfall of america he will cause the downfall of the bible and of god and and he was trying to use that that hype extremism of of everything you love will be destroyed if if joe biden gets in but he is out of office now so he is saying the same sort of calamitous things but from a weaker position because Joe Biden is in office, Kamala Harris is the vice president and the um uh, the reins of democracy are in stronger hands. The Department of Justice is led by stronger people with a with more of a commitment to um to actual democracy and to to governance of the people by the people. And because politics is a margins game, it does mean something that Donald Trump is likely to be indicted again and this time for for almost treasonous activity, for for hiding documents of critical national security significance because independents don't like that um, and their votes matter. There is a huge, uh, massive middle America that leans conservative, but if they can be persuaded that the Republican candidate doesn't stand for security and prosperity and stability, then they are less likely to turn out for a Republican candidate. Even if they're not likely to, as likely to vote for a Democratic candidate, their their turnout for Republicans, whether they do it or not, it it matters. It it's a significant thing. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy that Joe Biden and the Biden administration have done such a good job with the economy and creating um, opportunities for Americans to to get that prosperity through through jobs. That that inflation is is easing. Uh, that he can't as easily have accusations levelled against him of mismanagement because white people too easily buy into that. And I always come here and say that, that white people buy into the mythology of Republican economic competence and it's one of the most destructive mythologies in the United States. The mythology that poverty is shameful is one thing but also that um far far greater is that Republicans do well for the economy when in fact they've overseen 10 of the last 11 recessions since World War II uh, and that we can direct people to that information we can try and chip away at people who are fence sitters or who might might just be fertile soil if you plant a seed of of questioning that that idea that voting Republican guarantees some kind of white, stability, prosperity in your life, because actually fascism hurts everyone. Actually, Republican-led states are suffering. Uh, Medical professionals are leaving Republican-governed states because of the the murky, swampy, grey area that healthcare for women is now in in those states. Because yes,
0: and we're, I'm Tennessee is one of them. We have a drain of talent in uh, educators and healthcare providers.
11: Yes. So, so they will keep agitating for, well, as a Jewish person, I don't know if everybody else has heard of this, but it's called the blood libel. And it's referenced to a mythology that would spring up periodically in, in various European countries. And it was the the false idea that Jewish people would target Christian children and kill them and use their blood in in Jewish religious rituals. And it was a very fake and damaging uh, idea that would stir up violence and um, just chaos uh, and targeted specifically against Jewish people. But that idea of how powerful it is, how much it can shut off people's logical thinking to say your children are threatened by this demographic group, this demographic group is out to get your kids and that people can stop even evaluating evidence, they can stop acting logically, they can act violently because it's such a powerful emotional pull to say your children are threatened, you need to take action to save them. You need to push back preemptively even against this demographic because to my mind, that is happening at the moment with transgender people and gay people and it. It spreads to different strengths. I mean, some people, you might meet a Republican who says, oh, I don't have a problem with gay people, only trans people, or I don't have a problem with trans people, only that they're coming for our children. There's all degrees of of permeation of these ideas. And, and the thing is, even with myself, I don't know how much I'm just marinated in, in white lady territory because... I can go, okay, I'm a little sympathetic to the idea that there can be social contagion and people who don't fit in might start going, oh, maybe I'm trans just because other people around them are doing it. But at the same time, I desperately want to protect trans people as well because I can see with my own eyes how much the anti-trans legislation is threatening the happiness and the day-to-day lives of people who who are not malicious in wanting to be trans or wanting to be gender fluid wanting to live out their lives taking advantage of um of whatever accommodations can be made to, to let them use the the bathroom of their choice and wear the clothes of their choice and perhaps take puberty blockers until they're feeling more certain about it as an adult I'm so sympathetic to that and I feel a little bit like trans people are the are the Jews of the moment in that Donald Trump might pick, um, he might pick Tim Scott, he might pick Nikki Haley because because our arguments that they are fascist and racist has had enough of an effect that they're trying to protect themselves from those accusations by by pulling up some kind of, plausible deniability thing of, of having a vice president who is of colour or female or female and of colour. Uh, so I can, st- not to say that I'm not worried about racism anymore because it's still very potent and they still do use racist appeals. They're just more subtle about it. They're appealing to people's convictions that have been marinated in their communities and in a lot of society that, you um, that laziness is a problem and that laziness can be um leveled as an accusation against people of color uh, th- and that, on- that they erase all of the white consumption of welfare and all of the white consumption of FEMA help and um subsidized health insurance programs that are that are Not obviously racist, but are still targeted towards professions that are dominated by white people and are often strongly gatekept by white HR departments.
0: Mm-hmm. And all of that ideology and 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 those things that they're fighting against and, and being pushed—it's it's doctrine that has been in uh, the white supremacy ideology for a very very long time. And some of these new front groups are just um, bringing it back with new um, iterations of um, the lost cause. Um, but um, it all points to white supremacy. Mm-hmm.
11: Yeah, absolutely that they're, they're the neo confederate party only they try to be s- subtle about it because we keep calling them the neo confederate party
0: and, and we mm-hmm. yes. And we should because they they really are bothered when they're pointed out in that way. And what's interesting about Turning Point USA with all of the extremists that they associate themselves with and all of the extremist things, activities and language, they still try to caution each other. Like they don't want people to know. And like every time one of them gets caught out in public and um, you know, it starts getting into uh, the media atmosphere. They will fire those people, but it doesn't change their ideology. They just don't want too much attention brought to it. Remember, that's where Candace (laughs) Owens came from. And she um, uh, left uh, after she made that Faux pas about Hitler in yeah. 2019, yeah, and yeah. Um, they've had some others, but it doesn't change their ideology. What they don't want is they don't want to be branded that way. But you know what they're doing; their activity is very much. Um, what that is. I mean, they've even embraced uh, this guy. I can't even think of his name, but their nickname for him is Hotep Jesus. I mean, they brought him in and embrace they and get make no mistakes about it, even though it's about white supremacy. They have language where they target um, groups like the Hotep's and and uh, uh, Latinos and, and, and other people uh, to try to um, brainwash them and push this agenda and you know it of course uh creates it helps to further their own agenda but it also helps to create uh, division and divides within their demographic community so, so
11: yeah well it shows our power in a way that that plausible debil- plausible deniability is so important to them they want to be able to maintain the illusion with some of their base that or some of their supporters that they're not racist and it shows that they understand politics is a margins game and whilst there are definitely people who belong to turning point who openly embrace racism or some people who would talk amongst themselves openly so amongst their white friends they would they would admit to their oh yeah i, I feel this way about people um but it shows that there's they don't want to lose the respectable people they don't want to and, and, and those
0: donors, that some of them, the big donors, they don't, they, they like the agenda. They just don't want um, the sheet to be taken off. You know, like they don't want us to see it or to, or to be put on, you know, yes. for everyone. And
11: it's not even about whether we see it or not because we already see it. <laughs> we know they, they know there's a, a critical margin of voters and, and support in the public that would not accept naked embrace of racism so they do still sometimes fire i mean i'm always heartened that they at least make an attempt to to hide their racism because it shows that they understand that racism naked racism is not a seller does not sell well with a broad enough amount of the electorate and they they don't have as much chance as they did in in that days of the january 6th the insurrection of, of just completely overthrowing democracy and going, well, it doesn't matter at all about what the public thinks. Democracy is is still in relatively safe hands and it ma- matters to them about whether or not they can plausibly deny their racism so that they can hope to win votes. So it's good. It shows voting still matters. Our turnout matters. It matters how well we can sell to people the idea that Republicans are a threat Locally and a threat nationally. So locally, they're a threat to your hospitals. Your maternal wards will close in, in Republican-led uh, states, unfortunately, because so many obstetricians, gynecologists are leaving because they don't want to be in that legal quagmire of, of having a hospital tell them you cannot treat this woman who is miscarrying. She is not sufficiently close to death.
0: Mm-hmm. And the other thing that is helping to close them is those that are not expanding the Medicare um, benefits. So that caused a lot of rural hospitals um, to close as well. So, I mean, we can see their efforts at destroying our democracy and all of the institutions that make up our the infrastructure of our democracy and we just need other people to be aware of that. I do have a couple of other speakers. I'm so glad you came up and Thanks. I am so glad that you you know every your trip was successful, that um, you got back here safely. I know the time lag uh, thing will probably take some time and adjustment. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much. and I hope now that you're back that you'll be joining us on a regular basis and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you.
11: Will do. My
0: pleasure. Thank you so much, Dee, and everyone. Thank you, Davina. Appreciate you so much. So, up next, we've got Carrie, and then Engazi.
12: Hello. Let me know if you can't hear me. I have kind of a crappy set of earbuds on, but um, no. Oh, you good. Gone. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and just remember that January sixth, they can't get away with really right now. So that they've gone to the states, counties, and cities, and school boards, and and we really need people to show up there or have family members or friends show up there. So you can just be a voice voice for reason because the crazy crazies are there every single leap and meaning. Um, and thank you so much to Venus. Thank you so much. Elmsy. Thank you everybody who's spoken in here. Um, yeah, about the blood libel. Um, my, uh, sister's uh, husband's family came from Greece and his father is a Jew and his mom was Greek Orthodox. And, um, when they were in Greece, um, Her family would tell her that she can't uh, be around his family because they were going to eat her. And I thought that was just crazy. And then to hear during, I don't know what time, what year, but people actually saying, of course, Democrats are going to eat children that were Satanists that eat children. It's just like, oh, my God, people believe this really far-fetched stuff. But on the moderate level here at Nebraska, I mean, our Republican legislators try to make it sound reasonable and moderate and they're doing a pretty good job of that unfortunately and so with our um, anti uh, gender affirming care legislation that passed for all those under 19 um, you know they say over and over and over again it's protecting children protecting children and there are some scary things uh, with it but you you have to go into the details and of course they don't give you a chance because they're in charge of the Chambers, the majority, so they get the loudest voice. Really, about this is protecting children. Never mind, you know that it's a small amount of people and how it's um, handled between the doctors and the families. Um, So many examples of this. Um, It's just they need an enemy, and you know they very effectively use trans and then LGBTQ plus to be that enemy and it really works in Nebraska. It's just beyond horrible. And they changed the rules, you know, in our unicameral so that they could get this passed. Um and they did it. So despite our filibustering and everything, it was just very frustrating. And they also passed the 12 week abortion by adding it on uh adding it onto the legislation. We had a twenty week ban, the first in the country in 2010 now we have a 12 week they tried the 6 week but they were like oh well you know then they can say we're extremists so we don't want that so let's we can pass the 12 week because second trimester abortions that's not extreme that's just perfectly reasonable and they listen to other fears about jailing and such you know and they put that into the legislation which makes it seem reasonable and it passed um but of course what is happening is that um doctors are leaving the state and we already do not have Even obstetricians and gynecologists in many, many counties, they have to go to their family practitioners, and they drive hundreds and hundreds of miles to get to any kind of a specialist. Rural health care is a huge, huge problem, and they're depleting our revenues so that they can eventually slash spending and all this stuff, which is happening in Tennessee and North Carolina and in all these uh, you know majority Republican states. But the other thing, I don't know if I should bring it up now or another space, D, um, but about Two of our uh, Omaha senators, Justin Wayne and, and um, Terrell uh, McKinney, he, they voted for the um, concealed carry bill because, um, because the cops, you know, in Omaha will use what they say uh, if they didn't follow through permits or whatever as a bump up charges if they pull them over. So I get that. So in the short term, that can help people get it. And they also voted for um huge 100% tax write offs um for uh scholarships to private schools and that takes away from the whole general funds you know takes away from the university they're saying the university needs to cut funds cut funds again and even though the state hardly gives a penny to um public schools, they're also reducing, you know, the property taxes. So the property taxes are decreasing the public school funds. Anyhow, so they voted for that. And they voted for it so that um, if Omaha public schools are being perceived to fail their kids, which our public schools are failing kids at different schools, they have a choice. So I get that for the short term. And they tell us to ignore the overall politics of it and understand they're dealing with their constituencies which you get but they voted with the republicans and the republicans are so happy and i have a tweet that i'll post down below which shows you know that the crazy second amendment militia people are just so ecstatic that despite um saying it helps their people they're like we don't care what reason they have we're just happy they voted with us so that we can you know forward our agenda which is not a national agenda which is happening in tennessee and north carolina and idaho and Wisconsin and all over and you yeah, have a lot more to say, but I'll end it there. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that and appreciate you giving us the updates because it is important for us to know, um, what's going on in Iowa in North Carolina in Tennessee in Florida in all of these places, because just because something hasn't happened in one state, um, doesn't mean, um, you're home free because they're using, um, these states as, um, kind of testing grounds. They see where it's ripe for certain laws and things to be pushed and, um, You know, approved in certain states, and it sets the blueprint for them to do it in other states. And they are getting help, um, you know, with the crafting of these bills from um, organizations like ALEC and um, the um, State um, Policy Network. Uh, These are bill mills that are being funded by dark money. And um, so, yes, and we have to be. we have to have the understanding that the ultimate goal of these laws is to basically undo our democracy as we know it and see it and to recreate it with their um, conservative, libert- libertarian, religious um, agendas. And a lot of these groups, they have different um Things that uh, they are promoting and they're supporting, but they intersect on a lot of things and they work together. They do understand coalitions. And that's what we're going to have to get to understanding in order to save our democracy. It is important for us um, to continue to build coalitions and to speak to people, not the crazy ones, the ones don't waste energy on, you know, people who's ideology is already baked in and they're basically engaging to troll and, and to try to convert you or, or whatever, or you know disenfranchise some other um, less informed people. But it is important that, that we understand that and, and have conversations and, and talk to other people. We've talked about it. Renee talked about it, having these conversations with, with people that we encounter in our real lives to get them to see the urgency of what is happening and how it's happening and help to to build and promote organizations, grassroots um, movements and activities and initiatives that are going to Uh, foster um, our democracy, to restore it, to improve it. And there are other organizations like uh, Moms for Liberty has gotten some people really upset. So there are some organizations that are forming to counter them. In fact, Turning Point USA was formed in part uh, on the right to counter the effectiveness of the Democratic MoveOn.org organization. And their goal was focused um, on college campuses and schools in the beginning. In fact, um, they are in, uh, on over a, a 1,300 campuses and, and maybe more um, by now, but that is college and high school And so, again, now they're in in education. It's everywhere. And we have to be aware of it because what they 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 are invested in the culture wars and they have gotten good and they have refined their techniques. And when people oppose their ideas and push back on them, they have the money the funds, um, they, I mean, Turning Point has its own media arm now. I mean, it, it, this is a juggernaut of an organization, so they can pump out. Um, all of the propaganda that they want to on Fox, on OWN, on their own channels. Um, They are involved in all of these uh, social media platforms where this information is allowed to proliferate and sometimes platforms that are just solely set up um, to propagate this and organize and strategize. I was reading a story about how one of uh, Charlie Kirk, who is the founder of Turning Point, one of his uh, lieutenants uh, approached um, the secretary um, of state. Um, I think that was his position, but it was a high ranking um, um, GOP politician in Arizona and wanting them basically to participate in the the big still and actually wanted them to do some changing um, of laws and, and, and votes. And it was illegal. What he was asking him to do. And when he basically said, no, I, I can't do that. Um, he was like, okay, um, we're gonna get you for that. Basically, like what they did to Pence. And they primary that man. And um, of course they called him a rhino and um, they uh, got, uh, what's her name? Carrie Lake, the crazy, um, and, and some others. Now the, the candidate that they ran against him didn't win but he didn't either so they're very serious about this and they're also very serious about taking out what they got their rhinos like they do they no longer want um centrist republicans in their party. They want to get rid of them. And, and they're primarying them and they have big campaigns that they run against them. Now, mind you, they use these same techniques against Democrats. What I'm saying is they use it against their own if they don't fall in line. So that is in part two why some of these um, big politicians who are absolutely being funded and supported by them, either and with money and also with um, events, campaign events. Because you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Rick Santorum, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, uh, all of these guys benefit from them. So they they really are kind of afraid of them. So um, they don't want to be associated it with the extremism. They don't want people to be aware of it because they want these people's help, but they know it exists. And some of the ideology they agree with, they just don't want us to know. So that's why I think it's important we keep having these conversations about what's happening and um, who's orchestrating it. So with that being said, I'm getting close to uh, wrapping up and I'm going to give Engazi an opportunity to join in. And I know Dawn came up, but Wi-Fi connection, she wasn't able to stay. I missed her voice today. Um, but if there's anyone else, and this is the last call. If you would like to add something to what I feel has been answered fabulous conversation with fabulous contributors today. I'm so grateful. And like I said, you guys always help my week to get off to a great start. So I wanna thank you again today for another great conversation, great uh, contributions. Um, So I'm gonna give it to Ngazi and then we're gonna start to wrap up. Are you there? Thank you. Yes, I'm
2: here. (laughs) I just wanted to add to something that LMZ had stated because, yes, these, um, I don't know, I guess they're more conservative Christian groups because oftentimes what you see with these things, like the shiny happy people and um, the family, these are more fundamentalist groups. And so, like, they're on the further conservative side of Christianity. Um, I did, I went to school with these people. Now, they are not part of the denomination that I grew up in. It's just that I went to a Christian school that we were one of we were the only christian school in the area and so like a lot of the people who grew up in these spaces came to our university so we ended up with a university that is more denominationally liberal uh christian wise i mean than what these people had or accustomed to because it was a christian university but we also interacted with other christian universities and we would actually joke about how conservative some of the other ones were just little insider stuff but something i want to give people some hope on in regards to these things is that what happened during the 2016 election that yes, Trump rose to power on the backs of evangelicals who grew up and were, were indoctrinated underneath this very conservative, like political power machine. I want to say started by Pat Buchanan back in the, like, in, uh, like uh, Franklin Graham and Falwell, who did Liberty University. Um, What's what dovetailed in 2016, which is a lesser known story that people aren't talking about as much outside of our Christian evangelical spaces, is that a lot of people left these more conservative Christian groups because Trump just was not. You had told these people for years of what a good Christian looks like. And then these children who are now adults of voting age watched you support a candidate that is opposite of what you had raised them to believe in. And so within the Christian circle, we are actually dealing with a mass exodus of people from the church. Um, so like a lot of people bring up um, the Duggar bio as part of like the family and these other more fundamentalist exposés. For those of us within the Christian circle, it's actually more of an exposé about the abuses of, Christi- of like the Christian faith um, and us walking away from those things. What you're seeing is that these young people are walking away and they're not voting like their parents what happened, these people have to stay in the bubble. Turning Points USA, they went to the college campuses because they realized like once these people left the bubble, they're being exposed to new ideas. And again, you raise them under this control center of this is what the Bible says, never actually allowing them to read the Bible for themselves. Send them out into the world where now they're being exposed to different ideas and they're bringing that back and they're being like, but you told me it was supposed to be this. So there is a breaking where the younger folks are like, yeah, we're not down with that. One of the challenges though, is that they are not voting conservative Republican, but they're not voting Joe Biden either. So that, my personal space is getting my friends who have walked away from the church, who have walked away from the evangelical movement, who are done with the politicking and all of that and being getting them to recognize Bernie ain't it. Um, and it's okay, we can just vote for Joe because he's more in alignment with, with our values, Um, So that's where a lot of the work has shifted to is they still believe in Jesus and they still believe in Christ and all of that stuff they're raised in. They just can't support the political stuff because they recognize that it was all a lie. So one hopeful message is that the old heads, yes, are a very strong voting block. But the younger generation, a lot of them are walking away. And so I'm, I'm less... I'm more hopeful about that and, and that's primarily and this is very anecdotal this is what I see on my timeline every day I literally had a friend of mine who we were at university together who has her picture with Goddard and her husband grew up in the ATI movement and she went to one of their conferences and so for me with my space right now we've all been talking about what do we do with this information how do we where do we go from here so I do think that moving forward there is some change going about it. And I would not say that the conservative Christian movement is as strong and dominant and a guaranteed voting block as strong for the Republican base as they have been able to have it in the past because they don't have the young
0: vote with them. And that's where they're going to have an issue. Yeah, and it's been, it's also been hijacked actually And it's been hijacked for these nefarious reasons and causes like their goal basically is to create churches that are political, um, you know, um, action um, communities and centers, basically. And I mean, uh, Kirk said that, um, you know, there were uh, three types of churches, Uh, the courageous ones, the complicit ones and the cowards. And um, the way he determined that was if they were not speaking out openly in the pulpit um, for uh, Roe being overturned, then they were cowards, you know, and he absolutely is prepared, like he wants to, um, you know, break the veil of, of church and state. He wants to politicize churches. And he has hired an attorney, can't think of his name, but his soul for this um, uh, Turning Point USA faith group, they have an attorney prepared to fight against what they know is going to be some com- uh, some coming lawsuits about them um, breaking um, the law in that respect. And I don't know how um, they are uh, planning to get around it, but um, as with a lot of things with them, they don't care that it's illegal. Um, it's kind of like, we'll do it and see if you can stop us or undo it.
2: But the risk yeah. they run, though, is that those churches, they, they run people out of them. Um, and so the more politically advanced, like the more they start hearing from the pulpit nonsense like that, it runs their um, their congregation away. Right. And that cuts into their coins. <laughs>
0: So that's and and um, so that's an opportunity for us. You know, some will run away, but you know they will um, keep some and they will bring some because it's in keeping with their ideology. So um, I I just feel like we're at a um, a very interesting time and a time for us to really be paying attention and to um, to be intentionally um, involved um, in in this area wherever we can with you having conversations with your friends who you know are walking away or you know have been affected by this in some way and and basically just like politics our local getting people civically engaged begins at a very local uh personal level as well like you know you can go out here and have conversations on these platforms and things but Um, When people can really have a personal connection, you have more um, ability to change minds. But thank you so much for um, sharing that. And we do have a couple of other speakers who have come up to join us, and I want to get them. In the conversation, were you able to finish what you were saying at the point you wanted to make, in Ghazi?
2: Yes. And I will say that if anybody um, has any questions or want some extra support or guidance on how to talk to people who are coming out of this, my DMs are open.
0: Thank you so much for that. And I appreciate that. And again, like I said, just another um, great example of the uh, diverse um, community that we have here. So uh, I appreciate that and I appreciate you being willing to, you know, speak to people about it, maybe help them uh, figure out how they can, you know, help and have conversations uh, with these folks. So thanks again. And up next, we have Sean and the Reverend Geechee. So Geechee, will you um, yield to the ladies and let Sean go? And because I'm going to let you. Always,
7: always. And I'm not going to be.
0: I, either. I know you're such a gentleman. So I'm going to um, let Sean go and then Geechee will be our last speaker. So glad that he joined us today. And we're going to wrap up.
10: Thank you, Miss D. Thank you, Soul Sister, and thank you, Gigi. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for letting me come up and speak. I'll make it brief. Um, just wanted to say how hypocritical it is for those groups, those pastors, to cherry pick out of the Bible what they deem holy or uh, courageous but then they can deny that when Jesus says pay unto Caesar what's Caesar's and unto the church, what belongs to the church, they can't. It would be turning a lot of. That's right. right <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I practice Christianity, but I'm not, um, an evangelical fascist or whatever they are. Um, and it also, it kind of makes me ashamed to say I'm a Christian. I mean, it's just bad, you know, for them to be acting this way. But the other um, thing I wanted to come up and say is basically to reiterate what you said when when you mentioned that um, people who are against, who don't fall in line, they will um, run someone against you or have it in for you. I mean, we all know how crazy and obnoxious the three-letter woman is down here in Georgia. But she voted for that debt ceiling bill in favor of it. And even though they were showing the um, video of um, her constituent basically, you know, shaming her or attempting to shame her for her comments towards representative jamal bowman what they didn't show is how she was getting booze uh, with regards to her vote on the debt ceiling and they're talking about primarying her with someone even more terrible but i'm gonna put that um ajc article um in the thread but i just want to let you know that you know even the crazy crazy isn't crazy enough for no they just people.
0: can't get cra- they just can't get crazy enough for <laughs> them really there is like trump there is no bottom um and they're willing to use tr- truly any means necessary I mean they seem to be living out Malcolm's um you know <laughs> right uh, words uh, much better than, than the black community <laughs> because they are willing to use any means necessary um to create a theocracy. <laughs>
10: Yeah, but thanks for allowing me to come up last minute, and I've enjoyed listening. Thanks again.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming up, and I get what you're saying, but I hope that you don't let them, um, you know, taint um, your, your faith or your ability to embrace it and to speak about it, because I feel like they're doing to Christianity just what they've done to patriotism, you know? Um, co-opting it and, you know, um, making it ugly. And um, there is a place uh, for Christians in this country. In fact, it was founded on religious freedom. And they're actually trying to twist it and make it sound like it was founded for, you know, religion, when it is absolutely the opposite. We were running from the uh, Church of England (laughs) over here. And now they want to create the Church of America. And again, I always find it pretty interesting that um, this is what they're doing and they're not making um, it a secret any longer. They're very loud and proud about what their intentions are. But I just find it ironic because when President Barack Obama was running, he was a Muslim and he was going to institute Sharia law. Well, who's instituting Sharia law? Who's trying to control us with their religion? (laughs) I mean, and they absolutely believe that theirs is the religion, the right one, and it should be the one governing and and our laws based on that. And I just find it crazy that they are actually wanting to create laws and institutes and uh, train children around virtue. Um, This organization wants to guide the nation in virtue when the man that they elected to office is awful. He's a sexual offender. He's just a horrible human being with uh, no like of compassion or empathy, nothing. And you want us to put the hands, um, to, to put our children in your hands for virtuous guidance. No, thanks, I think I'll pass on that. Your judgment is is a little off. (laughs) No, it's way off. But uh, thanks again, Sean, I appreciate that. And thank you for um, joining us um, on the stage today. And up next, we have Kichi.
6: Hola, hola everybody. Um, Happy Pride again, happy Indigenous Peoples Month and happy Black Music Month. yeah, all those wonderful things. Um, I've listened to everybody. It's been really wonderful. I woke up and it was like, I got stuff to do, I got stuff to do, but it's always good to have stuff to do and listen to intelligent and beautiful and wonderful people. This has been a blessing to listen to. I don't have a lot today. Um, I just want to like join on um, the religious hypocrisy of the, the Evangelicals and, of course, that Dominion movement, of course, came from Colorado Springs, we talked about a lot of times beforehand. Um, I know people have talked about Nikki Haley. What she did yesterday was just incredulous. It was awful what she did. Um, it put people's lives in danger. And it's also an issue that's not working for this party. Like, they keep saying, oh, people feel like this. People feel like this. Abortion matters more to women. Reproductive health, reproductive justice matters more to women than... Uh, a young boy that's transitioning or a young woman that's transitioning, that's not, they're not the same thing. And this is where like in 2022, they got a lot of things wrong. They can think, oh, this issue seems to have a lot of bearing, where all these other issues may have had an influence on voters, but there was one issue that was so far above the rest, it didn't matter what people thought about all the other issues. And they continue to focus on issues or push on issues that Americans are steadfastly against, and they don't seem to get it. But my main thing is I want to talk about these three dunces that are running in this primary. And as I've noted the last time we spoke, um, the last um, advocacy arena that you had, about the fact that, in my belief, I know Tiffa talked about this June. you saw Chris Madison put it in the jumbotron last time, I think the ticket is going to be Trump, and I think it's going to be Scott. I think Trump is going to get indicted. I think Trump's probably going to get indicted three, four, five, maybe six times. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get to court before the debate and or the primary start. And I'm not sure the SCOTUS will allow those cases to go on if that happens. But nevertheless, I think the ticket is going to be Trump and Scott. I think it's a very weak ticket. I think it's weaker than Trump and Pence's and we've already beaten that ticket. And our administration,
0: I agree with you on that, Geechee. I think that's why he's getting out there. Yeah, yeah,
6: so he can be his number two. I totally. I think everybody's running for number two except for DeSantis, and he is he really running? Um, so the first of these does let's start. Let's start with Tim, Tim Scott, and Tim Scott went on the view today. And first of all, I have to give credit to the producers and the hosts of the view today. First of all, they kept Joy Beathard home. That was a great thing, because I don't trust that she wouldn't have said something offensive that gave him the will he needed to gain some steam. She wasn't there. And I think he booked this with the intention that she would be there, and he could go to her, or she would just on her own, say something that was offensive that she may not think is offensive because she's a, a liberal white woman. Then our conference would have said, yeah, you're a liberal white woman, but you don't have the right to say that offensive thing. Let us handle it. But she wasn't there today. That was Olivia. Then they predominantly allowed Sonny. Not Whoopi. I love Whoopi. But sometimes Whoopi can go off the rails. And then she can do what Joy does. But that didn't happen. Instead, we had Sonny prosecute the case. And when she asked him several questions, he just did not have an answer. His answer on the ending of systematic racism is the most offensive, Historically inaccurate. Oh, it was gross gross. (laughs) to hear this Black
0: man say these things. I have to say this.
6: The only reason why there is any traction for that answer, and let me go back to our elders, Kyber and Thompson. When they talk about why the left is bad in our party and why even younger Black leftists get on his everlasting nerves, it's because of the fact that all we continue to say, or these alphabet suit people, that nothing is better than it was before the civil rights act. That's utter bullshit. I apologize for cursing, it's bullshit. Almost every socioeconomic indicator except for home ownership and business ownership are different. But there's a caveat to both of those. First, a lot of us don't live in very poor, rural communities with really bad housing anymore. We now live in suburbs and in cities where, first of all, most people that live in cities rent, and those that live in suburbs were in housing. And that housing as a force worth a lot more than the housing was in rural South Carolina, rural Alabama, rural Mississippi, go along the line. Secondly, business ownership, the amount of capital that we own, and control with business ownership is like could I and that's made up word, could more than it was when we had 10,000, 100,000 people that own capital and control capital of a very little. We have more business and capital power now than blacks have ever held in this country, even though there are fewer people with that power because we live in a capitalist society and if you do that for any other race, it would be the same thing. So those things are things that are positive. But when we have people like the idiot that's running for president right now, that for whatever power Obama has, the one power he did have is to make Cornell West and Tabitha Smiley lose their minds because they could not get tickets. That they would put our whole community in chaos because of their own selfish needs and wants is pathetic. But with that argument out there made by the far left and then these alphabet suit people who do not vote, it gives oxygen to him saying, well, these leftists are telling you nothing's better, but I'm going to tell you the truth that things have gotten better there and have gotten better. But for him to say everything was corrected... When LBJ signed the, CR, the first CRA in 1964, is BS. But one hand of the horseshoe the other hand of the horseshoe. They unite. And who gets hurt in the process? We do. That message is not for black people. It's not for Latino people. He tried to add the Latinos in there, too. And his messaging, that message is for white conservatives to give them a pass for their racism, their sexism, all their bigotry, And it's just not going to work in the general election. It will work in that primary. I don't know to what effect it will work in the primary, but it will not work in the general election. My second thing, the second person, I talked about her a little bit. Let me finish on him first before I get to that point. These narratives that these candidates are spinning about who they are, these biographies, one of them, Tim Scott did not grow up in severe poverty in North Carolina, South Carolina, he lived in a middle class community with a middle class home with a mother that never had to draw from the social service safety net because, quote unquote, this father that left and never was in contact again, didn't leave. they got divorced. And when they got divorced, there was a thing called a child support system and he still had contact with his father and had to spend time with his father like his brother who was named after his father does so when this whole process comes about we get to narrate out these these fictional tales and people spin we'll get to see his brother who's a great public speaker much better than his younger brother and a lot more attractive also but also we'll say he gives this narrative about his time in the service and his time his story is nothing like his father's Like his brothers, excuse me. There isn't the dad that went away. There isn't the abject poverty. It's their mom working the hell and their dad busting their butt because of their Christian values to get them to this point. The difference is his brother didn't go to a right-wing extremist school like Charleston Southern University, and he did, and Tim Scott did. And his brother didn't sell his soul to a business person in Charleston and other millionaires and billionaires along the way like Clarence Thomas. Tim Scott did. So we get this false narrative here. Person number two in this narrative, Nikki Scott. I have no earthly idea if Nikki Scott is a true conservative. This is something you know a lot in South Carolina because she grew up with a family where they were close to the um, family. Her parents are teachers. The sellers are teachers. And what they were deeply involved to the left the leftist portion of the black liberation movement. All of a sudden this one child out of four is a right wingist because her husband is is a conservative, but her two brothers are not. Her youngest brother is a is very much a leftist. He was in Austin. And then the sister is not, the other sister is not. One of them is connected even to the Obama administration. Somehow, way this woman comes out of the way Work. She's she's elevated by Sarah Palin, and then she's a conservative. But she really didn't do much that was conservative as as governor of South Carolina. And she obviously she was a UN secretary, so there wouldn't be any um, there wouldn't be anything really conservative you could do in that capacity. Oh, except for like thing that gays should all be executed. But outside of that, I mean, not really anything really conservative. And then just keeps giving this answer on abortion that if I was a conservative, it would be like, are you really supportive of this issue? He wants to know what is the the Biden and Harris view on abortion. Is it that abortion should stop at 36 weeks, 37 weeks, 38 weeks, 39 weeks? I'm not an expert on pregnancy or the female body, but I thought maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my math is somewhere. Are women pregnant for about nine months, about 36 weeks? I know it could be um, a little bit more, a little bit less. But why would the Biden administration need to come out, Biden-Harris administration, and say that they think abortion is off at the 37, 38th, 39th, or 40th week? Isn't that, like, nonsensical? I don't, I don't get it. But that's, like, her way of trying to find a middle ground on this issue, starting from a point that is nonsensical and then getting to a point which I guess is also nonsensical, I don't get it. But then there's the third part, and I'm going to end with this person. I've tried to say this for a long time. and know others have too. And I don't want to say like, I am like the, the, the guru and the sleuth of all things. And the, uh, the Negro dominance of this app because I'm not. But Ron DeSantis being popular in Florida and Ron DeSantis being a force in Florida is not the rest of the country. And being great in state government does not mean you're going to be great on the national stage. This is, if I have seen John Kerry on a campaign before, the most inept, the most loose person I've ever seen running for office. The fact that this person is an actual veteran, I believe a JAG officer, but an actual veteran And when your own staffers are telling you there's a World War II vet here in Iowa, and you give the person a nod, and you wave to the person, and then they come back again, and you do some other not-human form of communication, and then the third time you say, well, I've signed stuff for him. And it doesn't put to you that this is what you're supposed to do on a campaign completely defunct. I don't understand how you're going to get this ogre into the White House, much less win a nomination. And the media plays a part in this. Because when Trump started attacking him the week after the 2022 election, and the media was quick to say that these Republicans lost because they were Trump appointees, as opposed to these Republicans lost because the conservative, mainly Christian conservative values of this party that have existed far before Trump and the archaic and harmful.
7: Hey, Gigi, I think
6: we not, lost you. i back now. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. I got to call, call him during part. Sorry about that. So when you have these people telling you the exact same thing that oh that they this is all because of Trump, but then it totally takes like three, four, five, six weeks where it's really evident that their economic agenda and their culture wars all backfired against them, and they're always oh, going to be the going to be the same, and then Desantis goes from being the leader like in the courthouse as the favorite to be the nominee to now polling under 20%. And I'm sure by the time we get to October, he'll be battling, excuse me, to August. He'll be battling to stay in bu- double digits. Trump has this mantelpiece, and the media is so wanting for there to be somebody else besides Trump against Biden, and there to be somebody else but Biden, that they're ignoring what these parties are. And we are not that party that is going to go for JFK, uh, excuse me, RFK Jr. We're not the party that's going to go for Marianne Williamson or Colonel West. We're not the party that's going to abandon Trump and and put DeSantis. They're not the party that's going to elect Tim Scott or Nikki Haley to lead their party. They're a bigoted party. So it's like the media needs to get a grip and a clue on what they are because they don't have a clue. And with that said, We have to make sure that we're paying attention to Democrats that care about Democrats and are not carrying water for Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, whatever. There are going to be Democrats that are from South Carolina that you think are allies to the VP or allies to Biden-Harris or allies to Clyburn that are not. I call them out a lot, the sharp teeth and their family. They're not. They will carry the water for Tim Scott. They'll carry the water for Nikki Haley. And they'll even do that over the VP and the president. Watch out for those people from South Carolina, Bakari Zellers. Watch out for them. They're out there. You will be able to see them. They will, again, last night on CNN, carrying the water for Nikki Haley against this president and his quote-unquote friend, the VP. People saying that Nikki Haley is a moderate. I don't know what she is, but a moderate she's not. That's all I have. Thank you all for being here this wonderful morning. I guess it's afternoon now. This has been wonderful. I love listening to all the wisdom y'all have to impart. It's great listening to all the speakers. Love all of y'all. And I will catch up on the other side.
0: Thank you so much, Geechee. And we love you too. And again, I am just always so thrilled when you're able to join us in spaces. And I hope that you are Uh, Getting the rest that you deserve and um, glad um, that you were able to come in and share all the wonderful um, points um, that you have um, today. And, um, you know, we appreciate you and we love you. So um, with that, folks, uh, we've had a great cast of speakers today. I'm so grateful to you all and to all of you who have been listening in the gallery. I want to remind you to do uh, share and retweet the space for those who were not able to join us. I I feel like it is a conversation worthy of sharing. And um, I am going to close this out, give my uh, fabulous co-host, Sister, Uh, So, Sister, an opportunity for some closing words, and uh, then I'll close this out. So, hang on with this. uh, Hang in there. Uh Sister, can you hear me? Because right now it's showing that you're not connected. Um, Let me see if I can fix that. Bear with us, guys. Okay, she should be okay. Yeah, she's reconnecting, and I just I want to say that this I always enjoy talking to uh, you guys, and some days our conversations are just more fabulous than others. Oh, she did. Okay, I'm back. Oh okay, we're going to keep you there because I don't know. Okay, good. Good. That was torturous. I'm so sorry. I know, you know, Twitter works real hard to keep us from being great, but you know, we don't give up easy. So, thank you so much. Uh I'm going to give you an opportunity for some closing words before um uh, we close out today. So, go ahead. You have the floor, my dear. Oh my gosh. Oh
1: I was able to hear most of what Gigi said, and I'm so grateful because I I love um, listening to him give us the rundown on on the politics issue. And I agree, today has been a a great space, um, and as it always is here in Advocacy Arena. You know, one thing that I want to share is that um, when I am speaking to devout Christians and I'm saying Black Christians... Um, I'm not speaking about white evangelicals because that's not my circle. Um, but what I have to do is I have to tell them that they it, we, we have to look at this outside of the purview of religion. We're talking about equity and equality and discrimination and justice. And that seems to change the tone of the conversation. Um, and and get that get a new line of thinking um, open uh, to to receive what I'm trying to say uh, and what I'm trying the the points that I'm trying to make you know in regards to transgender the LGBTQI community as a whole abortion um, because you you you.
0: Oh, we lost you
4: so sister
7: maybe she'll come back you know, called... <laughs> some
0: uh, things that are happening but she was just getting to the good part which is what Twitter always does um, Maybe she will be able to um, come back, Um, could be Wi-Fi connections. I'm not sure, but she was making a really good point. Um, And you guys have all brought some excellent points um, to our conversation today. And I just uh, want to, okay, hang on a second. I have my other sister, little sister coming up. Um, Maybe I can get her. Um, uh, Dawn, you go ahead and speak while I see if I can figure out what's going on with Gwen, so she can finish up. Okay,
13: how are you, dear? Hello, dear. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you. Can you hear me? So good to hear you. I, yes,
0: you can hear. Okay. Good. Yes, it's beautiful to hear your voice. Yes. This
14: conversation <laughs> today. I was in and out, so sorry. I had to make a, I had a phone call, then I had to make a quick run and come back. I'm back on Wi-Fi real quick. Um, when I'm out and uh, about, sometimes it drops me, and I couldn't even see the screen. Um, but I just wanted to. And I didn't catch all of what Geechee said, so damn it. But that's okay. I just ran in here. So, um, but I'm sure it was, um, whatever he said, it wasn't necessary. And I was hoping to get that. I heard a piece of it. Um, but here's, I was wanting to go back to something that um, I heard what the LMZ said. And and speaking, and I heard Nghazi, Um I do think, and what, you know, everyone was speaking, I think Renee and was speaking about the um, documentary this weekend. Um, I'm I'm a documentary junkie so I I love to watch all these kind of things anyway I also too follow the occult and especially amongst our own community like some of the Hebrew Israelites and some Benjamites and other different things that most people aren't aware of and how this all plays a role and on a global scale not just in the nation Um, but I've also watched my state uh, my home state of Indiana go from uh, blue to red slowly Uh, when there was a time when there was a decorum between uh, Republicans and Democrats. And it, we had lost a supermajority, and I think it was 94. I was still in high school uh, when this happened, but how it affected our state. And now we're in, uh, in Indiana. Indiana is ruby red, but then we have also later on in life have become to know, live now or have another residence in the South and be amongst what other people see and what they think. And with the hearing, and we talk to every day, and I was listening to something Ghazi said, too, about these evangelicals. Also look at the numbers. We also have to look at non-white college male voters in 2020 against our Gen Z uh, that are coming up. They almost met the mark, but they're getting closer. Uh, Turning Point D, I think we all know uh, if you get mail in the South, you've received the mail from Turning Point USA, but there's also the ministry section of that. And I wanted to add that to what uh, LMZ had to say uh, because Pence has been on the tour for the last year almost. I don't know if it comes to you. Uh, if you're in the South, you've get, gotten flyers uh, from Turning Point in your box at least once or twice a month uh, with, uh, with uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. Those are still in the faith. Um, but I'm not going to be ashamed of being a part of the Christian faith because there is a difference. There is the black church. And that is a little bit different. This is more of a war, what I feel like, is between white evangelicals. And I do believe, eventually, that um, probably some of your radical white national Christians will fall in line um, against the coalition of um, the black church and the establishment Uh, even with uh, Catholicism, because we forget there's about Black Catholicism as well. I grew up uh, in a family of that, uh, and also Methodist. This is going to be something. I know we hear about Trump, and yes, he can still run, but this machine behind Pence, if we look at what happened this week with uh, CNN and uh, them firing, we knew since the merger, some of these things were going to take place. But Nikki Haley last night, tonight, will be Mike Pence. I'll be watching this one closely. I know most people won't, but I will be. Because there's a huge Coke machine behind him right now, especially when it comes down to the media. And they, I can't even, I don't want to sound to get too emotional about it, but I don't think we should sleep on Pence. Pence, the one thing about white evangelicals, and if some of you watched that documentary this weekend, they are nice. They are sweet. If it comes down to a Biden, and I'm just saying... Um, it, we don't know who yet, but I'm, I'm, I've X'd out DeSantis. Poor thing. He's hypersensitive. Uh, he's, too, he's not built for this. He's already pulling his wife out. Um, he should have saved her for later. Uh, Trump, you know, I still have my eye on him. Tim Scott uh, is no one to sleep on. He is all over EWTN and TBN. Uh, so there's always, he's already got a little boost in the, even, you know, with the evangelicals. But it's what they're trying to find uh, with the quorum. Somebody like Pence, if he does make it, for instance, and people are tired of Trump, he's not, he's going to praise Trump the whole time, like most of them have, of course, about the policies. But he is also going to say, uh, you know, I was under, you know, the oath of the office of the president, so I had to follow. The only thing that you're going to really get this man on, um, and the reason I say this, because I grew up in Indiana, I had listened to his radio shows, I've heard them before. And not to say that um, I agreed with uh, anything, I've watched him ravage uh, the state of Indiana with the AIDS epidemic, um, where they put uh, opioids and heroin and uh, ravaged the farms. Uh, Indiana is still purple in people and in the city, but they've you know dissected it four different ways. And then they put drug right after the crack epidemic, they started putting drugs into the outskirts for land value, of course, in real estate. Uh, we were one of the largest corn exporters <laughs> in uh, in in the United States, and. Now, it looks like there's Neil stations everywhere and uh, overpriced acreage. Um, But what I'm not, and I don't want to go off too, I don't want to go be too long because I sound a little bit emotional about it. But Pence is very slick, you guys. He would never uh, jump to, if they had to come to a debate for some reason, if they boost him, uh, this machine that's uh, allowing him to come on tonight, not just CNN, but this just, all of this from, all these evangelicals that are just coming up, all of this money is coming behind him. All of a sudden, he waited. I think to see how bad DeSantis was gonna do before he would even announce. It's gonna be something. White evangelicals are still uh, they're, they're 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 sweet. They're nice. They're gonna say we don't we hate the sin, not the sinner. We still love the LGBTQ. There's a way that you can live your life. Uh, in 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 God's eyes, it just you know just don't act on temptation. These are the types. And MAGA is going to be still radical. You know, you're still going to have your diehard Trumpers, but eventually they're going to have to fall fall in line, because the thing about MAGA is they hate more. They hate rather than vote for a Democrat or not even just not vote at all. They they vote to hate Democrats as long as I'll vote for anybody as long as they're not a Democrat. It will his message will eventually come through if he gets a chance to get that podium against Biden. He is empathetic more than most people know. Uh, We didn't have we didn't really see him debate much. He also has a brother uh, who's also in Congress. Um, There's a lot to be said of him. A lot of people don't know that even uh, in Indiana in the early 2000s. In the 90s, he had, uh, he assisted black churches quite a bit. They wanted to ease away and pull some more people back. And we have to be vigilant if we are a part of the Christian faith. And I, I have no problem professing it here. It may hurt some people's feelings, but whatever your faith practice is, uh, we need to stop saying that Democrats are demons and, and quit allowing that. If we are a Christian, it's okay to show it. We find ourselves trying to hide it. There's nothing wrong with it. Because there's a difference between white cushion nationalism and that radical, uh, you know, that uh, evangelicals that appear nice. But at the end of the day, it's what they want. Things like, a, like, like the issues. So I don't want to, again, I don't, I'm all over the place right now because I just came back in the house. But we are going to, the black church is going to have to stand up because this is really what this is about. They want to peel some more off of the black church. And we're not having it. And we're not going to let them steal this country. We're going to look to the Gen Zs, but we're also going to come after these young non-white college males on the Republican side. That numbers are just as equivalent to our Gen Zs. So I just wanted to put that out there. If you see something, you know, you can only fight the word with the word. If you are not well versed on it with some of these evangelicals, then don't. But find somebody who is and call out their hypocrisy. But yes, Pence is somebody that I would look for. If I were uh, because he is not threatening, he will never insult Biden on a podium and he he will appear that we're going to bring decorum back to the United States on a debate stage.
0: He puts a nice face on white
14: supremacy. And he and the only thing he doesn't have he's free of scandal in his personal life. So that is something to look at. I just wanted to put that out there. I'm not trying to make anybody fear just. Be careful where the machine is going. We got to, you know, like you said, so many, we got a a little over a year, but um, this would be their dream to see this. And I still, and I live amongst people who who couldn't vote for Trump or they were mad at Trump, uh, who did vote for Trump, but they thought, oh, don't forget, I can get Pence, I can get Trump saved. Then the grabbing by the pussy thing came out, excuse my mouth. Um, And then they were like, well, God can use him. So see how that goes. And now that people know that Pence is running, you should see some of these churches in the SBC. Uh, they're he's in flyers. Uh,
0: oh, the, they're in flyers right they're now. They're gonna push. Because um, the, the Kochs had said that they didn't want to support Trump mm-hmm. anymore. They, they actually yep. said that they weren't, especially after the last election. But they absolutely are because he's the only player on the field mm-hmm. and they will support anyone who is going to help advance their agenda. If it's a Trump, they'll do it. They'll hold their nose and they'll do it. But they would much rather have a pence to put all of that money and stuff mm-hmm. um, behind because even... Even after they literally did an interview, uh, Charles did an interview, you know, where he said he wasn't going to he was so disappointed, you know, after January 6th and and some other stuff. But then, of course, they turned around and they absolutely are funding him and all of these other causes Mm -hmm. um, that he support. In fact, they funded um, our I I like to call him our Tennessee George Santos. That's Mm -hmm. Andy Ogles. Okay, they brought him, they took him to California with another politician and he is a a liar um, and he's an extremist. So they're still funding this agenda. So I just wanted to say that. No. But thank you for
14: letting me have a time to speak in your space. I love the space today from what I could hear of it. Uh, You and Soul Sister, I appreciate the conversation today. I love to hear a lot from the women. Um, But I am. I do want to be here. I mean, it was just good. a, A great space today. A lot of that. Can I ask John a
6: question real quick? Yes, we are. Okay. Yes. Um, I agree with you on the on the Pence part that obviously that's gonna be part of the balancing act for the ticket. It's, it's the MAGA wing and it's the white evangelical and evangelicals. If Pence can't be the VP for a Trump, do you think there's somebody besides Tim Scott that would be more acceptable to White evangelicals? Could it be someone like Tom Cotton or, or or Josh Hawley? Is it somebody else that more like? Maybe I'm not looking at, or others are not looking at. That could be. I don't think like- Tom
14: Cotton. No, I don't think Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley could even. It doesn't they don't have the decorum, and they would have to do in a matter, in a matter of months a re overhaul of their. They got personality. a lot of cleanup. Yeah, they got, of there's clean too, much. too much. There's too much for there's that. Much. I think you, I'm I'm with uh, probably more of a Pence along with the Tim Scott, because think about it, they're gonna try to give variety. Like, okay, you all have your black VP, your minority, and your white uh, savior. I mean, this is how they're gonna play this thing, right? In Biden, and we're gonna bring our brand, except it might be males. Either way, let's say it was Pence. He's either gonna pick Nikki Haley, which we know looking at her, uh, she kind of bombed out, Uh, but he's young enough that they're not worried that he can't do two terms. So, you know, he talks about her. A that's
1: lot. the point I was going to make, Tom, mm-hmm. That they, that he can do more than one. Right. Yep.
14: And then you're also looking at, well, if he picks Tim Scott, it's still the same brand. I, it, the only difference is you don't have a, a female element. So that's, I mean, it's going to be interesting. when The moment I heard Pop uh, Pence was going to drop it, because I think he was just waiting uh, to see what he can get. Plus, you know, DeSantis lost all that, lost quite a bit of money machine, a couple billionaires. So we're looking at, I, I think this is it. And I wouldn't be surprised to they say that it will be it to say that America's back on track towards this Christianity. And it made this easy. I don't think that he's going to win. I don't, I don't. I don't. But I think Trump is out. I know that. I mean, we, we, he, he can still run. But MAGA's are going to have to, like I said, they hate Uh, they hate us so much they'll fall in line. They're that weak. I mean, they, they look, it doesn't matter. I don't care at this point now if we didn't get Trump. They're going to be a little upset, a little rowdy, you know, if he gets locked up or whatever's going to end up happening to him. But they're going to have to fall. They hate us enough that they are willing to fall in line.
0: Yes, what they will. Under- uh, I L- think L- we
14: L- underestimate L- that. L-
6: and and what about Glenn Yunker?
14: Yunker.
6: A lot of the donors from from DeSantis went to Glenn Youngkin. He raised like sixteen point seven million dollars in the last quarter, which are mainly money that was for DeSantis that went over to him. What about him?
14: I don't think they're going to leave Virginia yet, unless they know it's a guarantee they can keep a, uh, a Democratic governor. I, I just okay. don't. Uh-uh, they're gonna chip more away. They're headed towards North Carolina. So cause North Carolina still has pockets, believe it or not. No matter what happened last in twenty, uh, this midterm, they're still uh, they want that. I mean, you heard it when they dropped the release of tapes with that girl. I forgot. Uh, I've got a I've got a download uh, where they released it. They want Wisconsin and they want North Carolina, and they're already chipping away at North Carolina. Wisconsin, uh, we already. I mean, they're that's gonna have to be a stronghold.
0: Yeah. Because isn't that where Mestriano is mm-hmm. running?
7: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And, and and they talked about it. I mean, uh, Kirk has even talked about, believe it or not. And I think maybe this is a stab at, at Bernie. But he mm-hmm. talked about going to Vermont. Yeah. He said, we're not there, but, you know, I think we need to be, you know. So,
14: yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not, I mean, that's just my opinion. I can't, you know, base everything exactly on fact other than the numbers which I can pull off a pew research about the non-white college educated males uh, that against our Gen Z that voted Republican, that they gave us a run for our money as well. We keep, but we are proud of Gen Z. We want more Gen Z to come. We're going to need them and to make up for the losses. So uh, that's all I wanted to put out there. Thank you so much for your time. I didn't want to take too much time, but thank you so much. You all have
0: a great You too. Thank you. And I am so glad that we were here long enough for you to come in and share with us um, today, even though you were having a few Wi-Fi problems it gave us a chance to, um, you know, continue the conversation as my co-host is uh, navigating her Wi-Fi problems. And we have another speaker who I know is always a guest listening and rarely comes up. So I am going to give Diva an opportunity to speak and then um, Soul Sister and we'll close out. And it's been a fabulous space. And you can tell because we've gone for three hours. And when we go that long, you know it's good. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dee.
13: Um, It is always good. Always. And um, so many great speakers. And I won't take up too much time. Um, I do have a question. And this question is for Dawn and for Geechee to to, uh, just extend the conversation a little bit more. I was speaking to a young person this weekend. And they mentioned... um, Ramaswamy as a possible contender um, and, and primarily because he is backed by Trump and possibly that he would take over if something were to happen to Trump. We know that Trump would steamroll him um, if he's still in the picture but it, I just want to know your thoughts on that person.
14: I'm going to uh, say that he's I'll I, I really don't, I don't have that much offer either. I just think Trump has used them. Don't forget there's also, a, uh, I mean, just like our, you know, Dead Rose crew, they think that they are better than black, okay? So people of color, they put us all in one basket when we know it's black, indigenous people of color. But, it, you know, they've already been known as the racist party. So, you know, let me go ahead and get a, I'm not sure of his background, a Desi or someone else, you know, of, a, another minority group. Um,
6: but he's that's in, all. He's I, Indian, like he's Indian, like Indian, like is, is he Indian? Okay, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah,
14: okay, this, I don't want to mislabel yeah. him, but I think they're just using him as a token, like anything else.
6: Yeah, he's the same to me as as uh, as Tim Scott and Hamley and I token would be the word I use. I guess they get offended when they're called tokens, and they think that it's the white people calling it tokens. Usually us. Um, I think the most interesting thing, and I, this is where like I don't know the numbers in which. The Trump campaign, which I assume it's going to be, would be looking at in in sometime in the in the summer of 2024, and they're looking at a VP and they're going through the vetting process and they're considering Tim Scott. I I I think it's going to be Tim Scott. But somebody always challenges me and like, what would Tim Scott add to the ticket? And I always would say that it's a blanket towards. Um, those that are bigoted or may have bigoted views, but don't consider themselves to be bigoted, to, to vote for Trump. At the same time, there's this glaring thing that is out there. Blacks usually vote between 83 to 93 percent for Democrats, depending on who the nominee is, either the top of the ticket or the, and off at the bottom of the ticket. Indian Americans are now one point behind that. One point. Last election, Biden won about 87 percent of, of of black voters. 186 percent of Indian American voters they're not voting for Nikki Haley and they're not going to vote for Vivek whatever his damn name is they're not going to vote for that there now there are other Asian groups that are a lot lower than I think Vietnamese are the lowest of like 40 something percent just like there are differences with Latinos Puerto Ricans and Dominicans vote closer to black and then and Mexican Americans close, vote closer to black and then you have groups like Cubans that obviously do not um, so there's differences in those groups. And we don't have enough people yet that we're measuring that outside of Florida, New York, New Jersey. But you also see that with certain groups of Blacks vote higher than others do when it comes to support for Democrats. I guess I, under, I, guess I would say that I, there's the appeal there that they would give a pass. But as far as like me being able to map out, like I did with what VP Harris that her reasoning for being on the ticket was suburbs. People are like, oh, it's black women. No, it was the suburbs. That like, she is gold in the suburbs. You put her in the suburbs of Atlanta, the suburbs of a mil- of Milwaukee, the suburbs of Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or, or Phoenix. She's going to turn out voters because those voters love her. I don't know who are the voters that are turning out for Tim Scott or who are turning out for Vivek. I don't know that yet. But I guess as time goes on and we get more written about it, we'll find out what that is. That's I guess that's kind of an answer, but not an answer. But that's all I have at this time.
13: And that's good enough for me. I'm, I was sorry to put you both on the spot there, um, but it, it came up this weekend. And, and let me just clarify that the person I was talking to is not going to vote for that person. Um, we are all very much aware of what he did on Don Lemon's show and um, just basically showed who he was right from the the beginning there. Um, so I don't think he's going to get any of the black vote, um, given that, but I don't know. Um, it, it just seemed like he was another one that was off to the side there that might come up in the horse race, but thank you very much. That's all I had.
0: Thank Diva, and that is a great question. And I just might add that um, in some of my um, dark money research, I found uh, connections with him being funded from uh, some of the uh, Turning Point. organizations. So, um, watch out for them. Um, so, uh, thank you again so very much. Great question. And, uh, for, uh, Dawn and Vichy being able to, you know, respond to that. And that, isn't that a beautiful? You know, we have so many talented people in this space and I feel blessed and graced, uh, you know, every uh, time I have one to have the caliber of um, people that that come to this space um, and um, share and speak and listen and support us. And I just want you all to know how grateful I am for that. And um, up next, I am going to give my uh, co-host an opportunity. I think she has stable connections. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> ah, I'm back again. <laughs> Well, um, I don't even know where I was, but I just want to say that um, while we keep our eye on these very important opponents to democracy, we also have to somehow get the people who are complacent, the voters that we can count on, that we know are true Democrats but for some reason they keep sitting out of these elections because they're feeling, they have hurt feelings from something. We have to somehow get them engaged and get them to the polls, you know, and there's a lot of hills to climb from that. Uh, You know, Mark Elias has continuously posted, you know, you you can't um, use activism, but I'm, I'm, paraphrasing here, but basically you can't use activism over these oppressive laws uh, in order to to gain access to the voting booth. And, and so somehow or another, we, we do have to not just gain new voters, but get the voters that we know back to the polls and and more yes, active because, in our politics.
0: Yes, because they have he calls them their votes uh, uh vote suppressors. Yeah. And that is what that dark money is funding. So we need yeah. that's another reason why I want us to focus on them because no matter how they try to dress up their their bigotry and and all the other things that they're doing, they're actively working to suppress our votes and we can yeah. never ever yeah, forget that. that
1: fight. So, you know, the we have to be um strategists on this and you know and 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 fight this on many different um fronts and and in many different ways so i you i don't think that anyone has to be an expert on everything but pick something and, and make that your pet project and make that the one thing that this is my lane this is, the, this is the square I'm standing on and this is what I'm fighting. And then reach out to others for help in any other arenas that you run into roadblocks with because like you said, this is a very talented pool. And um, I'm so glad that I got to hear at least part of what Dawn was saying. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for you coming up and saying what you, what you had to, to share with us. And um, everyone who has come up to speak today is, has really been um, fruitful. So um, I think that we have a long road ahead of us, um, so we better gird up. Thank you so much for today's space. It's been wonderful.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you, as always, for being a fabulous host. Um, And again, uh, great. Um, Thank you to everyone who came in, shared, stayed, listened, whether for a short time, a long time, or the whole time. Um, I appreciate it all. And I know that uh, you guys come, you join us, because um, you have um, a desire to to learn, to be civically informed and engaged. And that is what is going to uh, be required uh, for all of us um, because um, as Soul Sister said, we don't all have the same talents and we don't have to. We can't all do everything and be involved in everything, but we can all do something. And that something may be, you know, as little as amplifying a tweet or having a conversation, but it is incumbent upon all of us to do something to save our democracy, because we're all going to sink or swim um, with the results. And um, just a reminder that I don't have time to waste for... um, Voluntary non-voters uh, who have you know chosen to disenfranchise themselves or obstructionist, um, and that is whether they're on the right or the left, or extremism, whether it's on the right or the left. We have to stay focused and um, do the work. And I feel like when we have these conversations um, here on a regular basis, this is part of the work that we're doing. And I also wanted to um, say, um, I uh, have had, I had someone who asked um, uh, if there was a link uh, for me to share um, the DART money that they could share with others, maybe that are not on Twitter or whatever. And I just want to remind you guys that Advocacy Arena is also over on YouTube, please. Uh, check us out over there. And look who's come back. Oh, Joseph. So he he must be at a place where he can listen again. So glad to see his face before we close out again. But we are over there on um, YouTube and I have posted all of my dark money videos over there. So you can share it with people who may not be on or want to be on um, Twitter. And that is another uh, place where it can be Shared so again, I just want to thank all of you for a fantastic conversation. And again, it's a great way for me to start my week. Of course, this is Indictment Watch Week. We cannot forget that, and uh, we're going to be looking and following um, one another, uh, looking for the tea and you know for the the hot news to drop and um, be ready to uh, do what we need to do with that information. So. Uh, we've had so many wonderful speakers who have given us so much wonderful information. I am not going to expound on it, but I do want to encourage you guys to please do look at that video. I will be continuing to share on my timeline a lot of other related stories about, um, you know, the dark money and the, the the things that are are going on. And I hope that you guys will help to amplify it, whether that's you know liking, retweeting. Um, or just simply sharing um, that information with people because the whole purpose of me doing it, I don't come here for myself or to you know, gain um, likes and followers. I really uh, am on a mission <laughs> um, and it is to save our democracy and it is to increase uh, civic engagement. So that is why I'm here. And I like to believe that all the people who come and share and join in the space um, have those same goals in mind. And so with that, I am going to close with the hopeful, encouraging words that help ground me and guide me from the late great representative John Lewis. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year, it is the struggle of a lifetime never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble necessary trouble so you know i had my little granddaughter she she's memorized this so she loves it when i read this and i hope you guys take those words to heart and just continue um, being the great human beings that uh you are um we are stronger together and we are all in this together so i want to leave you guys with um Peace and blessings for a wonderful rest of your day and a great, fantastic week ahead. And I will see you in the next advocacy arena. And I hope you join us and I hope you share um, the space that we've had today. So you guys have a great uh, rest of your afternoon and a great week. And I'll see you back next time. Thank you.